ahead, lovely listeners, and welcome to a very special 100th episode of your absolute favorite horror movie podcast and all the known multiverse why it's dead and lovely here with the host with the most it's me uncle ben bam, 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 bam. hollywood steven ah, that going well. yeah. we yeah. love him he's the best yeah and also for a celebration of our 100th episode we got a couple special guests here in the studio we've got Jimmy Stewart. Hi, it's me. Hi. <laughs> I fucked it. It wasn't him. It wasn't him. No, no, no. I have to say, no, no. my touchstone for it is, well, I'm going to lasso the moon for you, Barry. <laughs> oh, my God. James Stewart. Thanks for it's stopping me. in. It's me. Hi. Oh, 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 the old building, the old drafty old house. <laughs> I think we've got some other special guests in the room. Steve, it's me, on? John Travolta. Oh, my God. Is John Travolta? <laughs> My John Travolta impression. It's so strong. It's so strong. And it turns out he's a werewolf. Did and, you hear about that? And of course, it wouldn't be a celebration <laughs> without me, Zoe Deschanel, and my ukulele. Oh, cotton. Cotton. Well, and she's going to be singing a duet here on the show Here with uh, that other famed songwriter One Bob Dylan It's me Bob Dylan (laughs) (laughs) That's just a Muppet Which Muppet impression was that? Tangled up in blue Yeah, you know, it's funny. That's actually the second time that John Travolta's been on the show this Yeah, week. he was on. There was a yeah. special announcement yesterday. I took some phone calls. It's weird. Apparently, he listens to the he's show. He's a fan. Or he listened to the Carrie episode, at least. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because he, he wasn't. egotistical. He's like, yeah. But gosh, I'm in that movie. I got to listen to the show. <laughs> That's honestly more like Bob Crack Goldthwait or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bob Scratch Goldfarb. <laughs> That's him. Mm-hmm. That's definitely him. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to 100 episodes of Dard and Larvlarg. And they said we'd never make it, Steve. Looks like we made it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that we fucking did make it. Look how far we've come now, baby. And we just skidded in just one day late. God damn it, we almost had that 100 episodes once every Wednesday. We only, only one episode has been released not on Wednesday. We released it a day early. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> We didn't right. even okay, release it that, late. That, that offsets it then. Yeah, that yeah totally so we're, offsets it's it. pretty much, we fixed it. Our yeah. average is on Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have a drink to that, Steve. Me too, man. I'd like what to raise drink a drinking? fizzy toast. This is a delicious beer called Helix Rising. It is a hazy double IPA from my new friends at Trim Tab Brewing from Birmingham, Alabama. It's me, Anna Nicole Smith. Oh. Trim Tab, baby. Oh, no, no. Yeah. That, was that her secret or was it? Yeah. yeah. I, I would take a trim spa and then drink a trim tab then <laughs> maybe have sex with a ghost. Oh, spooky. Mm, anyway, <laughs> bye-bye. So Trim Tab, uh, like I said, is a, a small brewery out of Birmingham. And uh, they recently had their Knoxville debut kind of release party over at Merchants of Beer in Knoxville. Yeah. I went down there and I hung out with their with their rep, ironically, whose name is Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Seriously, what? yeah. And the whole time it was like, oh, Ben, you gotta try this. You gotta try yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. rising here. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried four of their beers. I tried one of them that was a sour that was unfucking believable. I tried this one, which is their double IPA, which is incredible, and I love it. He's got yeah. your pull. You like that? 
Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it is. That's so drinkable, by the yeah. way. Yeah. And man. I know. I could slam that. Easily. But there's so much flavor yeah. that I don't want to. It's a sipper. It's, it's a, a sipper. sipper. It's so good. Man, that is good stuff, Trim and, Tab. And I also had their um shit, what was it? I think it was just like their their lager or something like that. Mm. No, pale ale. It was their pale ale. Uh-huh. Only it was like a Lagunita style pale ale. Oh, okay. It had like a shit ton of hops and stuff mm. in it. It was amazing. And then they had this other one that's called the Breakfast Hero. Oh. Which is a maple coffee stout where they also throw a whole bunch of donuts in from some local donut shop. So it is what? a coffee maple donut stout. Yeah, I, that sounds great. And it's like 10%. What? And it's fucking nuts, dude. Well, I there's mean, your breakfast right yeah, there. It seriously tasted like you had a maple glazed donut and dipped it in a cup of coffee. That sounds great. And we're an alcohol. And, and yeah, you got alcohol out of it. Yeah. So you like this, without uh, having to add whiskey to your yeah. coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was right. like being Irish any yeah. day. That uh, this is great, by the way. There's Isn't that awesome? so much flavor to it. Yeah. You getting some pineapple on that? Yeah. Thing? There's nice fruitiness to it, but it's also got a good resiny sort of flavor on the yep. back end. Yep. That is kick ass. The balance of the hops to fruit ratio. Mm-hmm. Is pretty much it's ideal. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Do try everything of theirs that you can. Like I said, they got yes. four, four yeah. of them on tap at Merchants. They got Merchants, yeah. a couple over at Barley's too. Oh, okay. So many places in Knoxville. Yeah, you if you're grab in the a Alabama slice area, of pizza and well, you can't grab a slice of pizza at Barley's. You can grab a pizza. And well, you grab a slice off somebody's table if you're quick <laughs> you enough. You saw it by a joint. Yeah, exactly. I'll take this. It's totally mine oh, now. Look, is that a trim tab? That's mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, first order. Of importance that yeah. we got to do here on the show. We just recently had something show up here in the mail Man. that we want to open up here on the show. I'm excited about this. We got a present from the Latours. Oh, those Latours. Yeah. Um, John and Laura sent us a present, and we have not looked at it. We're no. we uh, Kate opened the box for us. Yeah, pop the seal, and we're gonna we're gonna be seeing it. First time you're going to get our live reactions. Yeah, exactly. In living color. You heard it here first, folks. I'm very excited about this. They've been longtime listeners and supporters of the show. Uh, We've had a lot of people that have been nice enough to send us beers and stuff like that. So we're very excited to crack this thing open and get a look at it. All right, let's get us a pull. Let's pull this thing out here. This thing is securely wrapped in some bubble wrap. It appears to be a framed item of sorts. Oh, man. I'm I'm very excited excited to see what it is. I hope it's nudes. I hope it's just they found our nude pictures that floated around <laughs> in the MySpace era. Yeah. They had them framed, I hope. Okay. Appears to be a handwritten note of some kind. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not going to look at this. I'm going to read the note first. Okay. It says, hey, boys, congrats on your 100th episode. In recognition of this achievement, we wanted to send you something to celebrate and thank you for all of your hard work. Enclosed is a commission we had drawn by Mark Rudolph. Holy shit. An illustrator known for his work with Decibel Magazine and the band Carcass, among others. Oh, shit. Carcass. Yeah, they're, it's always awesome. All right. We, thank, we uh, think Mark did a great job and hope you enjoyed as much as we do. Here's to the next 100, John and Laura. All oh, right. too sweet. You guys are better than we deserve. Let's, Let's see, see what it. this thing is. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that is dope. That is so sick. I am loving that. That's what? amazing. It's a really incredibly drawn <laughs> portrait of the two of us sitting in front of a microphone. Oh, man. With a skull over here by us. We look like this a couple of dope. humps. 
Oh, thank you guys so much. That's phenomenal. What? We'll totally put pictures of this up on the Instagram and Facebook and stuff so everybody <laughs> can see it. I love that so that much. That is so cool. It's like slight character, but still like very dead yeah, on pretty, yeah, pretty what accurate. we look like. Even they got my eyebrow in place yeah. and stuff in there too. That's awesome, dude. Man. That is too cool. Gosh, you guys are the best. That is beyond too cool. Oh man, that is super sweet of you guys. Thank you all so much for all the support. I mean, it's been you know almost two years now, almost two years now of recording, and it's something that just started off as just like you know, me and Steve. We never really get to hang out and chill out like we used to when we were in yeah. college together. And we both happen to really like horror movies and stuff. It'd be fun if we could get together every week and just have an excuse to chat and hang out. And then lo and behold, people, I guess, started liking it. Yeah, people like it a good bit, actually. We have way more listeners than I thought we were going to have. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, we were just fucking around. I mean... I don't fuck around in anything. I don't think you do either. Even though yeah. we're just having fun, we also put a lot of time and effort yeah. into well, it. That's so. the thing is like, you know, ultimately this is the the fun project. It's like this yeah. is the my vacation from music yeah, full time watching and stuff like horror that. movies and talking about Yeah. It. But even at that, it's just like I can't half ass anything. I can't. No, me either. I can't do it because like I wanted to so bad with like some of the shittier movies we've done just not put as much effort into them but yeah i have to i just have to like yeah i gotta know for myself i guess yeah, more exactly. than anything right but you know the horror the horror fan base and horror as a as a film genre and stuff it's so small but so loyal yeah you know that i think whenever horror fans encounter other horror fans that seem to be passionate about what they do and maybe have a, a good sense of humor about them and stuff like that right. uh, i think real recognizes real brother <laughs> <laughs> real redneck ignizes real. <laughs> Do they? Yeah. Man. You know what? That's interesting. Are there redneck hipsters? Are, are there rednecks who are like, he ain't red enough? Actually, there are. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah, that I think are, about it, there definitely are. <laughs> what? He got a Camaro. It ain't got T-tops, so. though. <laughs> ain't no real Camaro. Oh, shit. This was, a, this was sort of a skit that uh, the uh, boys at Well Red... Uh, liberal redneck Trey Crowder and, oh, yeah. and yeah, they did some sketches for Comedy Central, and one of their sketches was basically hipster rednecks like <laughs> calling each other out. Yeah, that's awesome. Only listen to Skinner on vinyl. And yeah, stuff like right. that. That's so fucking cool. That is so neat uh, that the Latour did that for us. That's so Man, fucking yeah. cool. That's got to hang really up awesome. in, in a place of honor and greatness. Oh, yeah. We got to get some some good pictures for the gram, too. Definitely so. Thank you guys so much. It has yeah. been a very I'm fun glad I didn't cry. Episodes. Yeah? Kate, you Kate. thought about it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, of course I did. You thought about yeah. it. Yeah. People are nice. I'm like, oh, man, damn. <laughs> damn it all. No. Well, Steve, the reason why we're uploading this episode a day late is uh, partially because I am very bad at scheduling things. Mm, well, but we were both making some yeah, trips. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you, you still were going to take that trip no matter how we scheduled it, and I still had to take mine. We just didn't have the time to double Beforehand, up. Yeah. yeah. Double up, double up. Uh, yeah. Uh. That would have that would have been a tough one to, to do. It would have been hard to last. squeeze in. Yeah, really with Carrie and this. They're both heavy. I mean, this is a real heavy episode. There's yeah. so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, I, I went to savannah with my wife savannah georgia that's the one i love savannah so fucking much this isn't the first time too. you've been there is it, it is the first time i've been really because no i've been to tybee island my brother was stationed at fort um was he stationed at fort stewart 
Which, whichever one's further south, Fort Benning or Fort Stewart. They named that after me. You know. <laughs> it's me, Jimmy Stewart. Fort Stewart. I did serve in World War II. <laughs> and this is me, Sean Connery. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm you just kind of morph a little bit. Now, you know how, you know Sean how you do Connery. The, I'll tell you how you do the Sean Connery. Uh-huh. Do the Jimmy Stewart, but keep your teeth together when Sliding you do Sliding into Sean Connery. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't separate your teeth and you do Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> so your Garvey brother was O'Dill and the little people. <laughs> so he was stationed at there. So you'd been out to Tybee before, right? Yeah, yeah. Tybee's sta- awesome. Yes, yeah, stayed on the base with him for uh, a week one time when I was fifteen, and we started drinking before we drove to Tybee Island, <laughs> obviously, Tybee. because yeah. Um, and at Tybee Island, and then on the way back, I was in the back of the truck yeah. in a monsoon, just torrential downpour. Drunk off my ass, Holy just shit. sitting in shorts on an inner tube. Oh god! And singing. <laughs> that sounds like you were living your best life. I was. You were tubing like nobody was watching. Yeah. But yeah, we didn't go into. But so uh, Emily and I got to go see a lot of the historical district and stuff. The yeah. historic district is gorgeous. Yes, uh, it we is went awesome. To, uh, Forsyth Park, which yeah. Has a Confederate monument. We didn't go see it. Well, you know. But it has a lot of other beautiful things that are not related to the Confederacy. Them mossy trees. Man. It's yeah. spooky. Like, what it I like really about Savannah is, is like, it's especially. Spooky. Yeah, Savannah, like at night and stuff like that. Yeah. It's got a feel creepy. similar to Charleston because of the, the history of it. Yeah. But because of the Spanish moss, yeah. it's spookier by far. Well, to me, it's kind of like if you took just kind of that southern coastal historic town like Charleston uh-huh. and you mixed it with just the spookiness and raging party vibe of New Orleans. Yes. But then I would say that raging party vibe is pretty accurate. Oh I'll get God, into that in dude. a little bit. <laughs> but then it's all by means of art students cuz like mm-hmm. SCAD pretty much Yeah, owns Savannah that College town. of Art and Design surrounds Forsyth Park. Yeah. yeah. So it's this weird mix of like old south weird artist stuff mm-hmm. and just dirty scum party village and yeah. it's awesome. Like it we, is. we almost moved there a couple of years ago. Man, I I could imagine living there for sure. Though, like, here's the thing. Georgia's one of those states that I keep thinking I could live in. Yeah. But then every time an election happens, I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope. I couldn't. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. They're working on it, but not yet. Yeah, yeah. No doubt, man. <clears throat> yeah. And, of course, I'm sure you loved the sand flies. Man. Or biting flies. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a picture called. of this. I got a pro. Okay, so here's what happened. So um, the wedding was uh, held at the Mackey House. I can tell you this now, because what are you going to do? Show up in the past? Yeah. Um, I have maybe. <laughs> Got any time <laughs> you travel to listen? Tell, yeah, right? you don't know. Um, the wedding was held at the Mackey House, which is uh, an old sort of plantation that uh, the Mackey House itself is is surrounded by swamp. Okay. Now, swamp's not normally gorgeous, but sometimes it really is yeah. very pretty, especially with all that Spanish moss and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. So this was a gorgeous setting. Two of my favorite people in the world getting married. Uh, my cousin Shotgun, who writes for the LA Times, yeah, um, and his his now wife. Um, they, man, they had everything just perfect. I've been to a lot of weddings, but like the the ceremony itself was about thirty minutes max. Okay, good, good, good. No, I like that. Sure no, is better. No religion. Involved. I love that. <laughs> yeah, none whatsoever. I like where this is going. Uh, my my. <laughs> cousin walked down the aisle to fuck i didn't i didn't think to ask him what the song was but it is a a recent hip-hop song that was awesome okay cool um and uh (laughs) 
they had the best food I've ever had at a wedding. No way. They yeah. had a biscuit bar. Biscuit bar? Yeah. That's about as southern as it gets right there. That's as southern as it Badass. So biscuit bar, that 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 gravy, sausage, just regular, you know, sort of gravy, sausage gravy. Yeah. Um, all sorts of jams, jellies, and preserves you this can put good. on it. This is good. Amazing. They also had a uh, quesadilla bar. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And then they had this other sort of island that just had different foods, including chicarones, not chicharrones. Oh. Uh, chicharrones. They were made with chicken skin and a little meat oh left on God. the skin and fried up. Well, that's amazing, obviously. Yeah. 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 And a bunch of other great stuff. And uh, two bars. Open bar. Oh my god! Um, They're trying I, to kill y'all. This no, was, was they, it, did this, everybody take a suicide pact before the wedding? No, this, this is the <laughs> thing. Okay, so this is my dad's side of the family. I didn't grow up with them really. I only okay. sort of know them. I mean, I know I know Shotgun really well because he, uh, when we moved to LA, we sort of immediately connected. And, oh right, yeah, yeah. Uh, we became good friends. Um, but I don't know the rest of my family that well. So like, um, I got to find out that. My dad's side of the family is the type of family that gets drunk together and has fun. Uh, the good kind. Yeah, the like a type of family. family that you don't run into a ton, but when you do, it's like, I always want to be around these people. Awesome. And so, like, my wife and I were just like, man, we should hang out with my side of the family more. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's uh, pretty cool whenever, like, you find those relatives like, yeah. you haven't really connected with, and you're like, they're cool as shit. Yeah, we had so much fun. I was dancing. I don't like dancing. You don't get down. Yeah, but, like, you can't be around those folks without dancing. My Uncle Don, he'll get you up off your seat. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, my Uncle Don, he's... Uh, he's uh, I would I'd call him the the Spratling family, like, mafia boss, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he... he uh, at an Italian restaurant in L.A., he uh, initiated my wife into the Spratling family several times because he was very drunk. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> does he have a name like Donnie Two Dice or something like that? Nah, he needs one, though. He really does. Donnie the Fish. Donnie the Fish. Anyway, now, so... As you were on the stage dancing and stuff, was yeah. there anybody whose body was being contorted and destroyed no. in another room? No, of the- I was... Are you no- sure? I don't think so. Okay. I right. was in no way controlling anyone else, and if that happened, it wasn't my fault. All right, didn't know about it. It could have happened, but it wasn't my fault. So I'm, I drank a bunch of Maker's Mark, and then uh, had a great time. <laughs> Good deal, man. Yeah. You made it out alive. Yeah. That's very yeah. important. That's very important. Yeah, Savannah is such a fucking cool place. There's a lot of incredible restaurants and stuff out that way, too. Mm-hmm. And just so much cool stuff to see. I'm glad you had yourself a good old time. You got back, what, the other day, right? Yeah, we well, we got back Sunday yeah, night, and you guys left Monday, Monday morning, for yeah. Asheville. Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. We just went on a little spring break. That's, that is, there were a ton of people on spring break in Savannah. Yeah. I did, we didn't know that was going to be happening. It was way fun. Like... Because, I don't know, it was maybe the art students are more okay. fun. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't as many, like, dude Shit bros. Bro yeah, dudes, it's yeah. just real fun time. Well, like, basically, we had this little trip planned, actually, I think in February. And then we were kind of, we kind of chickened out. We were like, it'll probably be too cold in February to go right. and walk around Asheville and stuff. We were going with uh, some friends of ours just for a weekend up there. Yeah. And so we rescheduled it for this week in uh, March right here. And we went Monday, Tuesday, got back Wednesday. And we kept calling it the weekend. It's like, oh, what a fun weekend. Oh, it's not the weekend. <laughs> then it was like Tuesday. I finally figured it out. I'm like, wait, guys, we're on a spring break trip. Yeah. Spring break. Spring break. So basically, day one, we just went and ate and drank our way across Fuck, town. That's awesome. We took him to Nine Mile, which is like our favorite 
Caribbean place Wait, in Nashville. Nine Mile. Is that where you got to win yourself? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I had some, some spaghetti on my sweater already. Right. Yeah. But not from vomit. Uh-uh. No. No. I, just, you were eating some delicious spaghetti and yeah. it fell on your shirt. Actually, I, I did. I had a, a jerk marinara over a linguine. Oh, yeah? It did not get on my sweater, though. I'm a neater eater than that Marshall Mathers. You got now, me. You got me. Uh, but he got it on himself from vomiting, which yeah, is what a even loser. less neat. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Not tidy whatsoever. Nope. So we took him there. And then we went to a couple of breweries, including Burial, which is just God the best. I love it so much. I got some to-go beer that we're going to consume later yeah. on in the show. Very oh, uh, yeah. We're uh, anybody who's given us beers. We're just trying these two that been picked up recently we yeah. will get back to your beers next week to your regularly scheduled fan beers yeah i'm excited we still have a number oh, in there so that i'm excited for yeah you. i'm stoked about everything that's in the fridge right now so we ate and drank our way across town which was great mm-hmm. and then the next day we went to old biltmore oh really yeah which was yeah awesome. that's crazy yeah i've been there before it's uh it's, it is it's really awesome yeah did you take the tour and stuff yeah or? we did yeah. like the tour of the house and uh-huh. we also went and walked around like vineyards and yeah, all that yeah. stuff I had been one time. Did I tell you about this? No. I had been to, to Biltmore one time in my life. I think I was around seven or Home eight years old. Homeschool field trip? That's correct. Okay. It was a homeschool field trip. Yeah. Which really just means it's somewhere my mom wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> my mom packed my brother and I into the car, and we drove all the way up there. And, you know, at that time, we were just broke as a fucking joke. Yeah. So even just taking that long of a car trip. It's it not that far, yeah. But yeah. I yeah, I understand the same way growing up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It was a real special occasion to travel out of state. Yeah. You know, to anywhere. Or out of county most of Yeah, the, exactly. Like you want to go to the mall, that's all the way in Hamblin County. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust them people over there. <laughs> so we drove all the way there. We had uh, a Ford Escort wagon which was a piece of shit and we were riding with the windows down and there was like an exhaust leak or something like oh, that oh god so we were just breathing in like exhaust fumes the whole way up <laughs> as soon as we got there my brother was like I don't really feel very good my mom was like ah you probably just need some fresh air or whatever we were there maybe 30 minutes and my brother just like throws up like goes in the bathroom just fucking pukes the everywhere end. yeah and it was like and just time to go home oh, poor mom I know dude I bet she was so pissed yeah so yeah so I had basically never been to Biltmore before Okay, so you got to... Did you see Napoleon's chess set? Did you see the gigantic drown-yourself pool? So, you know, weirdly enough, I didn't see the chess set, but that's one of the things I did get to see the first time that oh, was really? there. Yeah, because it's like right near the beginning of yeah, the tour. Yeah, it's like yeah. in the atrium or something like that. Yeah. They didn't have it there this time, but I've already seen that. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about that thing. So, yeah, I went around and saw the house, everything. It was, it was amazing. And yeah. it's one of those things, too, dude, where like... What kept blowing my mind is thinking about how all that stuff got there. Because I'm talking right. about you'll be in the middle of this house on God knows what floor after having passed through yeah, dozens of rooms. It's gigantic. And there's like two literal 2,000 pound pool tables Yeah, in the middle of this room. Well, yeah. Like, are, aren't they ivory? Uh, no. Yeah. They're ivory inlaid along really? the... Yeah. Holy I think shit. so. But, you know, it's like those had to be hauled there by humans. Yeah. Either by pulleys or just manhandling <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and in that day, there wasn't an interstate with just a little yeah. off-ramp to go to the Biltmore. Yeah. yeah. You like, had to... Well, the story my father-in-law was telling me is that they built an entire railway mm-hmm. to get stuff there. Yeah. 
it's like money like that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, there's there's oh, fucking no, money does. out there. It does. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, the, <laughs> but nobody's the top using it the right way. <laughs> own more than the bottom fifty percent. Yeah. Yeah. So there is that kind of money, but they're not using it in a cool way like that. That's true. Yeah. There really aren't. They're all building bunkers, just so you know. Yeah, they are doing. Yeah, that. they're they they, they're preparing for the world to end yeah. while telling us you don't need to worry. <laughs> it'll be okay because you'll be dead and we'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. So that was a really cool day. We went uh, actually went back to burial again and some other places. Yeah. Had some good choice and stuff. And then, dude, we had in the top three best meals I've ever had in my fucking Where life. At? It's at this place called Curate. It mm. looks like it's spelled curate, but there's an okay. accent over the E because ah. it's a Spanish tapas bar. What? And holy fucking God, I can't even tell you how unbelievable the food at this place was. It mm. was like everything they brought out was like, I'm experiencing new taste buds that I've never felt before. Yeah. You know? Dude, I know you don't eat pork, but mm-hmm. you would have. Well, I, I ate pork at the wedding because yeah. that's all they had pulled pork. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So I was like, well. Dude, they had... Okay, this is how crazy this place is. So the chef has pigs flown in from some, like, very specific, like, historic... Well, are we talking, like, Iberico ham type yeah, of thing? Yeah. yeah okay. He flies the pigs over that are farmed on some specific farm by some, like, celebrity pig farmer. I thought you were going to say celebrity pig. Like, babe? <laughs> Miss Piggy? Fuck. Awesome. <laughs> But yeah, Miss so, Piggy though, like she really sold pigs out. Like she, oh she, man, that'd be has cold. Miss Piggy ever been interested in another pig? No, she's after a frog. Oh my god, yeah, you're yeah. right. Like she's like selling her community out. I feel like I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> huh? Especially considering she knows karate. Like, like how many pigs <laughs> know karate? <laughs> she's truly an <laughs> exceptional version of her species. <laughs> So they they had these like specific pigs that had been like raised on a diet of acorns. Yeah, that pigs sure do um, apparently get tasty when you feed them oh chestnuts my God. and acorns. Can yeah. confirm. Can confirm. Yeah. We had two different things. Like one of them was just like almost like a prosciutto, like a really thinly right. sliced cured thing. That was crazy. It was like nutty. Yeah. And then they also had this like grilled sliced pork thing. That mm-hmm. was. I seriously can't even ex- describe to you how unbelievable this place is. Okay, so here's Phenomenal. the thing, because I, I don't I don't eat pork normally. Yeah. Uh, but won't turn it down if you I'm You eat it abnormally. Essentially won't turn it down if I'm hungry. Yeah. Uh, like if it's the thing being offered and I am hungry, I am gonna eat it. Ain't gonna be a rude boy. Um so I've been thinking to myself, like, cause pigs are uh, smarter than dogs. Yeah. Uh, and I would I, I wouldn't eat a dog, but then I thought, like, well, what if I was hungry? Yeah. I probably, probably would. I'm starting yeah. to wonder if there's maybe some kind of like tie-in of how intelligent the creature is to how good it tastes. I really well, want to know I about dogs. I have not heard now. of anyone saying dog tastes great, and dogs are pretty smart. They're pretty smart, I guess. Though, mm-hmm. I mean, we all know dolphin uh, is probably delicious. I don't know. It's gotta be. We've probably I, all accidentally an, had some in like. Oh yeah, tuna, for, sure. for sure. If you've eaten canned <laughs> fish, you've accidentally had a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Dyed pink. I'm wondering what it, maybe like a gorilla might taste like. I don't know. Oh god. That just seems like that would just be too close to me. I that, don't, that I don't is, know if I could do that. That is as human. Yeah, like that. That's taking a step, man. If you uh, yeah, eat a primate, so. you're, yeah, you're like on your way. <laughs> <laughs> you're close. <laughs> Pretty soon you're going to be in the Dominic But club. I mean, uh, 
cannibals have said that human beings taste like pork. So if you're eating pig, you're pretty much on the way too. If it tasted like this stuff we had at Curate, I might as well. Yeah, seriously, (laughs) might as fucking well. Unbelievable. Yes, we had ourselves just a great time, man. Just a good, relaxing, chilled out weekend full of food and drink and friends. It was great going Mm -hmm. out with our friends and just hanging out for the weekend and stuff. So spring break. Yeah. Got back this morning. I am a little bit sleepy, but yeah. I'm riding it out for this cool 100th episode. Numero. Unhundero. <laughs> Unhundero. <laughs> Steve, you didn't watch anything good this week, man? Man, I watched something real great. I, I want to um, know about this. This movie, um, Suspiria, took up a lot of time like with the research because yeah, there's yeah. just so much attached there's to it. And obviously, lot, we're, yeah. we're not going to get into even half of it. Um but uh, I did get a chance to watch Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. I don't know what is. <clears throat> it's a documentary that is basically a companion piece to Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood book. Okay. Uh, which was written by Scotty Bowers, who, um, after World War II, moved to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he got a job working at a gas station at 5777 Hollywood Boulevard. All righty then. Um... And uh, one day a movie star, I can't remember who, I believe his name is Beach something, uh, pulled into the the gas station and he was talking to him and obviously flirting with him. And Scotty was, Scotty is uh, pansexual. Like he is in no way embarrassed about sex yeah. and will have it with anyone basically. He gonna fuck it. Yeah. Um, so this guy said, do you want to come up and swim at my, my place? And uh, Scotty knew basically what he meant was, you want to come have gay sex with me? Oh, that's some slang. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's not, it wasn't some slang, but he gathered exactly it why he wanted code. him. Right. Mm. Uh, and so Scotty was like, cool, and went up with him and... Um, sucked the shit out of that thing. Um, I, I believe No, I believe he says that that guy sucked him off. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so he got an idea. He was like, hey, I got, I knew, I got a bunch of Marine buddies that I know will uh, do these things. Really? So he brought them around the gas station. And lot, like this was a time when morality police existed. Right, right, <laughs> like right. Like the yeah, vice yeah. squad was looking for homosexuals to bust. And he basically provided a service for about 30 years of helping gay and and lesbian actors to get to be able to have sex. It's kind of like a sexy underground railroad. Kind of. Like, (laughs) um, the thing I love about Scotty Bowers is his complete lack of shame regarding sex. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, he has none whatsoever. And so when you hear him talk about these things, um, like what kind of things are we talking about? Like, uh, like having, uh, you know, sex with the, uh, or setting guys up with like Cary Grant and, and guys like that. Um, what about Jimmy Stewart? Was he mixed <laughs> up in this? I, I, uh, Jimmy Stewart. I, 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 hey, now, okay. Um, listen, uh, maybe I've had a dick or two. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he just talks about a lot of big names and also like having a three-way with like Greta Garbo and some other big actress or yeah. something. And and the thing is that like a lot of people, uh, they're, they're, you know, part of the documentary is people approaching him at book signings and being like either, you know, telling him he's a liar or saying like, why would you do this? Yeah, like yeah. why out these people? Uh-huh. But like his, his reasoning is they're all dead now. 
Yeah, it's not harming and anybody. It's not harming anybody, but everybody would say, like, you know, what about their family? And he'd be like, well, what do they have to be ashamed about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, a guy... It's not like they did something illegal. Yeah. They weren't they, fucking kids or anything. Yeah, they yeah. were having gay sex. Yeah. So, so what? So what? Yeah. Right. Um. So, yeah, Scotty Scotty Bowers, man, he's fucking interesting. And the, Sounds the, interesting. Yeah, and the documentary, like, the, the documentary crew was real smart. They catch a lot of things about Scotty that are real interesting, like... Hmm. One of those things is that um, I think when they were filming it, he was 91. He's 95 now. Jesus. At 91, he's like climbing up a ladder and like uh, uh, pruning a, a palm tree and shit. Damn. Like, he's still a very physically active guy, but he's also got like, um, he's started to become like a, a hoarder. Oh, man. It's real yeah. interesting. Like, there's a moment, like, he passes slowly by a toilet on the curb, and he's like, that's not a good toilet. It's one of those low flow toilets. And then like later, <laughs> later they come back and it's the next day and he's he's went back and gotten the toilet. Why would you go get somebody's old toilet? He's just become a whore. He's got like two houses and like five storage units just full Holy of shit. bullshit. Like whoa. But he all like also some of that shit is pictures of him uh, with some of these stars and stuff that have never been seen. Like some of the pictures. Like he he pulls out this like stack of pictures that are from the fifties, yeah. And the uh, you know whoever was doing the directing that day basically just asked him like, uh, you know, when was the last time you saw these pictures? And you're like, when they were taken. Whoa. <laughs> so like, the, and you can see they're in perfect condition. Real like Hollywood 50 year old pictures, Hollywood history. There's even like a there's some video too of him oh, with man. dudes like some it's saucy serious. stuff. I'm sure. Oh yeah, like yeah, him jerking off and sucking a dude off like it. It's it's uh if if you are homophobic you're probably not gonna like it but <laughs> otherwise it's a great fucking documentary. Would you watch it? Um, it's it's on Stars I believe, okay, but it's also yeah. like it's rentable on Amazon and, okay, and yeah. iTunes and stuff. That sounds pretty. It, fucking it just came out last year, like near the end of last year. So uh, I haven't heard much about it, but I was just I don't remember what I was. Oh, I was reading about Clara Bow. Mm-hmm. Who I'm very interested in old Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> Clara Bow was someone who was uh, accused of a lot of deviant sex acts, including having sex with the entire USC football team. Wow! Uh, but she didn't. She didn't do any of that. Okay. But like a lot of those old Hollywood stories are about actresses being accused of insane things, but then in reality, like way weirder shit was going yeah. on in the background. <laughs> yeah. Was the people that I'm sure were kind of viewed as like yeah. the more moral up yeah exactly people. like the moral people were the ones doing the crazy like orgies and whatnot well yeah. that's you know that doesn't happen anymore no yeah no at all at all there's no way dude did you see that fucking snl uh weekend update skit where dude was talking about how he's like if you're mad at r kelly and want to quit listening to r kelly and michael jackson because the stuff they did i got news for you about the catholic church yeah holy yeah pete david yeah, he and uh, that blew my fucking hair back, dude. He's right. And, he's absolutely right. Uh, dude. But Bill Burr said this too. Like some somebody uh, on a morning news show asked him, like, Bill, don't you think you've gone a little far with these Catholic jerk, uh, jokes? And yeah. he was like, Don't you think the Catholic Church went a little far? Yeah. Like, no shit. Like man. the fact the fact is that people just aren't saying it enough. More people need to say like. Yeah. They've been fucking kids. Like yeah, networks ruining of fucking lives. kids. That's actually part of the Scotty Bauer story is he was he was fucked by priests as a no kid. Shit. Yeah. 
Oh, he God, was passed man. around by the priests a lot That's because so he warped. basically played into it. Wow. Um, so yeah, like this, yeah, this shit's been going on for a long, long time, and they need to be called out, and they need to just fucking stop existing. Yeah, absolutely. completely. So people need to quit fucking supporting. It's that evil. Shit, dude. Yeah, it's evil. You it's can have evil. a cool pope all you want; it doesn't fix the evil. No, huh? Yeah, because yeah. he's, and he's, he's not even that cool. He too. still says some stupid shit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, like continue being Catholic. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fucking <laughs> stupid. Yeah, it kills me, dude. That weekend update <laughs> thing blew my mind. Though I was yeah. like, I can't believe they let him say this shit. Yeah. Holy cow. Well, I think awesome. Pete Davidson does, just doesn't care anymore. I don't think he gives a fuck. Yeah, I don't think doesn't. he gives a fuck at yeah, all, I mean, After he and Ariana Grande broke up. I went and saw the Captain Marvel this week. Oh, man. I am so jealous. Emily and I are going to go see it soon. I figured, you, yeah, I figured you'd see it like as soon as it came out. Yeah, yeah. we were going to, but we had the wedding. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. I'm not going to awesome. spoil it. I'm not going to get real deep in spoilers since you haven't seen it. I don't want to reveal anything. Uh, it's good. It's not like in my top five Marvel movies or anything like that, but okay. I do think that it will be a critical piece of the puzzle. So it's one of those that I'm just like, yeah. if you care about the Marvel oh, universe, see like, it. like even without seeing it, I um, my entire guess for Avengers Endgame and potential accidental spoilers is that um, Ant-Man and Doctor Strange are going to meet in the quantum realm and cool. basically merge. But if my, my belief is that the snap didn't actually kill half of every, all living beings. It yeah. created two alternate universes. Ooh. One in which the, the people we saw survive survived and another in which the people we saw die survived and saw the others not exist anymore. And that could explain how you still have sequels with these supposedly Yeah, exactly. Because that's one of those things that, you know, now that you put it that way, that seems like one of those deals where it would almost be so fucking dumb of Marvel to be like, all these characters died. Watch their sequels coming next year. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so dumb. Yeah, really so they have it to, it has to be well explained and well set up. And they've set it up. Like, if you yeah. watch Ant-Man and the, the Wasp, they, they do set it up the way I'm thinking it's going to happen. I'm going to watch that with that in mind because that's yeah. on... I think Amazon or something. Right Am- now. Oh, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll yeah. Definitely watch watch it. That it's. I mean, first off, it's fun and funny, and, and you know, Paul Rudd. And yeah. Whatnot, but um, it does. Yeah. It it has a major connection to Avengers. I'll tell you this with Captain Marvel. Uh, the previews for it really do very little to show you what the movie's actually about, and once you kind of yeah. get into it, you'll you'll understand why. Well, I mean, yeah, it's Kree versus Scroll. I get I get that. Okay, there is that. Yeah. But there's. I'll put it this way: like her her sidekick, her supporting cast uh-huh. is never really revealed in the trailer. Okay, and they're the best part of the movie. Okay, like the best. Yeah, fucking great. Minerva's in it, right? Uh, I won't spoil anything. Okay, not gonna say shit. I gotta say shit about it. Well, yeah, I mean, like, well, I, I know she's got to be in it because yeah, she's in it because I play Marvel Strike Force, and yeah, every yeah. time one of the movies come out, they release oh, okay. characters from the movie. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 she's in there. Yeah. Uh, I'll say that the people that are saying that it's like this man hate fest uh, th- can those, go fuck themselves. There's no reason to even respond to them. It's like when a child is throwing a tantrum. Just yeah. ignore them. It is. They're yeah. trying to get your attention. If you give them their attention, then you they learn tantrums get attention. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, your exactly tantrum it. is done, baby boy. It's not ball busting whatsoever no, at all. It's a, just a fucking woman being a superhero. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and it's all these fucking twerps being like, everything has to be about me all the time. 
They gave me all these dozens of other movies, but this one doesn't have a muscle man in it, so it doesn't <laughs> like me. Like, go fuck yourself, dude. Go fuck yourself. Seriously. It's seriously, though, it's like it's not emasculating or ball busting at all. Like, well, actually, yeah. I, would, I would say Wonder Woman is probably even more uh, pro feminist. Oh, okay. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think Wonder Woman's got a pretty strong pro-feminist message, especially yeah. when she's uh, on the mascara. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. a lot of that. So, yeah, Captain Marvel's worth seeing. I uh, We'll talk about it more after you see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll I'll, I'll watch it. We'll talk about it next week. Because, like, I Captain Marvel in in comics and uh, in some of the cartoons that she's been in, I, I really love Carol Danvers. Yeah. Like, that character is very interesting to me. Um. I, I kind of think I know how the movie's gonna go okay. already, yeah, yeah. but I, I'm not like, I'm going in open, okay. to whatever might happen. I know there's a cat involved. That's yes. adorable, and the cat is is awesome. Okay, cat's <laughs> the new star of the of the Marvel universe. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Cool. Now, Steve, with this being the special Hoonerth episode of our sure, I want to spend some time here. And I want to tell you, man, you know, the fun thing about this is not only does it give us excuses to hang and chill and interact with our fans and stuff like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's also exposed me to so many movies that either I hadn't seen before or movies that I had seen before, but I began to look at in a completely different light yeah. after we covered them on the show, Yeah, you know, because part of the fun of these things is, you know, w- with horror as a genre, it's definitely there to explore social issues and moral issues and science issues and all kinds of things through the guise of blood and guts and spooky stuff and part of the fun of this show is that we like to really go in depth and talk about that stuff you know there's there's a lot of shows out there that 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 i love and they just kind of talk about the movie and stuff and i love that but my favorite thing to do on this show is to analyze and talk about these Mm -hmm. flicks so by doing this show there's been a lot of these movies that i have grown a deeper appreciation for because we've covered them on the show so i say as we slip into the good old preview palace remix six 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 welcome to the preview palace i want to go over our top 10 movies that we have gained a new love or appreciation for because we covered them here on dryden langley i love dryden langley it's my favorite cop show. Number 10 on our list. Number 10. I'm going to kick us off here with one that I had never seen before. You had seen many times, if I recall. Uh-huh. But by getting to, to review it, I got to know it, got to learn it, got to love it. I'm talking about Jan Crappenters <laughs> in the March Madness. That's it. Jan Crappenters in the March, March Madness. Madness. Uh-huh. In the mouth of mad. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I read my, my notes wrong there. Still Jan Crappender, though. <laughs> yeah, that one I did uh-huh. get right. That movie, dude, you know, uh, we've mentioned it many times because we love it so much. Yeah. It is one of the most misunderstood and unappreciated movies, yeah. not only of, of Carpenter's catalog, but just of all of horror, in my opinion. Yeah, and Sam Neill's maybe best performance. Probably. In my, in my estimation, because yeah. he's yeah. off the fucking rails. It's oh, great. And, and just chewing the scenery up and having a good time with it. So he plays fun. He plays crazy uh-huh. really well. Yes, he do. You could tell you had fun with mm-hmm. it. But in addition to that, man, just the themes that that movie has of just predestination and fate and mm-hmm. the way it intertwines religion and all that, yeah. too, as well as the, the Lovecraft shit. Yeah. 
that's it's so great and oh, i love it like we we should do at some point a special video or something where yeah. we talk about john carpenter's apocalypse trilogy because seeing it in the light of um the thing and prince of darkness yeah really adds a, a different level to it right on i love it man definitely one of my favorites we have gone deeper on because of dark and lumbler <laughs> All right, number nine on our list is the v v v v v v witch. The witch, it's called. <laughs> they didn't get enough V's in there. Yeah, <laughs> I got stuck on them. Uh-huh. Now that's a fucking movie. Yeah, it is. And watching it for, like, I I did watch it before, but watching it for the show and trying to, you know, figure out what was going on instead yeah, of just... Yeah liking it visually and liking how the story progressed yeah because i'm really trying to figure it out man there's so much going on in that movie. oh yeah yeah and i'd seen it before we did our our episode yeah. on it i'd watched it and be like man i love this movie this is yeah. awesome but then whenever you're watching it with you know knowing that you're going to be talking about it mm-hmm. on the air for an hour or two or whatever you know you you want to dive deeper you want to look deeper into yeah. what some of these things could mean and uh, that was a pretty early episode of the show. And that was definitely one of the ones where it was like, oh, man, there's so much to kind of unpack about this movie. It made me enjoy it way more than I had the first time that I saw it. Yeah, definitely. And now every time I watch it, um, I see new things and think, man, we should probably do another witch episode. No like, doubt, right? There's uh, there's so many movies, uh, probably most of the ones on this list that we could do a second episode on and talk completely different stuff yeah i think so too man i definitely think so i can't wait to see what's coming up next from uh fuck what's the director's name robert eggers there you go Mm -hmm. he's doing like the the lighthouse or whatever Uh yeah and midsummer and the lighthouse are both coming out this year and us there's so much good stuff coming out us looks so good and we're definitely doing a mini so yeah us i I want to see that the night that it comes out yeah the newest trailer for it it looks nuts oh god yeah Yeah, it looks crazy definitely stoked about it now one that we covered really early on the show that i had never seen before which is just total horror sacrilege and uh watched it for the first time for the show was the exorcist yeah this exorcist that was good Ooh, it's hot (laughs) caliente yeah and that mr howdy (laughs) howdy (laughs) captain howdy damn damn it so close (laughs) but no man that movie you know, as I mentioned before, really blew my mind and exceeded expectations. And yeah. going into it, I know that you said that you had seen it and didn't. I didn't really, really like care it. for it, but now I like it a whole lot more after watching it and really analyzing it and finding out that it's not like that. The level that people are scared on of The Exorcist yeah, that, yeah. that doesn't bother me. Um, you could see that it's there, but the deeper level that like there is no god and this is just demons or whatever or yeah. this is a god who just plays these evil games yeah like, or maybe ancient babylonians yeah. actually had it right yeah maybe ancient babylonians had figured it out yeah like all of that added to it and made it just be like oh this is a yeah. good movie like the surface level that i wasn't interested in that still works for a lot of people and that's great yeah like that you can be like buttons. oh i want to go to church i guess now or whatever yeah. yeah that's the thing about it is i think a lot of people watch it and the whole scary part is the devil <laughs> but to a bunch of heathens like us it's just like is no devil yeah, not scary not the, okay yeah <laughs> the mean man he's gonna 
poke me in the butt with a pig's fork. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. he's here. But man, especially too, when you you research all the stuff they did to the poor fucking actors oh, and actresses, God. and just the yeah. sheer psychological warfare. Yeah. That was being waged on the audience, and again, the people that are in the fucking movie. Right. It makes it such just a weird, demented thing to watch. Man. It is. It's it amazing. Is. It really is. I think like. It's weird to say that it's underrated because it's obviously like the most hyped horror movie of all yeah. time. But I do think that it's underrated because there's a lot of stuff people yeah. miss about it. Yeah, people uh, love it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of thing, uh-huh. man. So that's definitely one that made a big impression on me. It's like when you got six-pack abs, but you also got a brain. Yeah, it's exactly that, like it's that. It's like, I'm up here. Yeah, eyes are up here at my brain. You know, I have to deal with this a lot. Six packs abs, but I gotta. I gotta People are like, "Oh, look at this sexy bastard! He doesn't know shit." You think my abs are bumpy? You should see my brain. Mm-hmm. The you bumps know? are crazy. I heard somebody describe dumb people as smooth brains recently, and that made me <laughs> laugh a lot. Bunch of smooth brains over Bunch there. Just smooth brains. <laughs> Number seven on our list of movies that we grew to love through doing this show is Old Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Yeah. Frederick's Revenge. <laughs> Frederick finally getting his revenge. You know, it just kind of hit me. You know, in the first one, he's only called Freddy, I think, once. Because at that time, his name was still Fred Krueger. Yeah. Well, and she calls him Krueger a lot. Yeah. She doesn't call him Freddy. Right. Yeah. How unclimactic and lame would it have been if it would have been called Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Fred's Revenge? Fred's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> that does what? not have the same ring to it at all. What if what if you remade Drop Dead Fred and just put Freddy oh. in it? <laughs> Freddy is her imaginary friend. That I'm, who I'm actually makes I'm, her I'm on board with that. Yeah, trademark Dan Lovely. There we go. That movie is awesome. I think it's the most overlooked installment of the Elm Street franchise. Yeah, it's it's got so much going on. It's doing something way different than all of the sequels that would just be. Uh, uh, you know, attempts at remaking Dream Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's just got so much going on. Now, again, I think Dream Warriors, I, for me, edges it out as a better movie, maybe. But the fact is that like Dream Warriors was doing something different too. Yeah. Then all the movies after it kind of cheapen how good it is. Yeah. Whereas so. with two, it just stands out as so different that. Yeah. It, it'll always be good unless you know they screw that up somehow and make a remake of it I don't know yeah. well, then they make it just su- instead of it being like oh I'm pretty sure this character is gay they just make it like super gay like <laughs> he just comes in fabulously he's always busting I'm out of closets here. I don't know like yeah <laughs> but you know that's the the crazy thing about that movie too I think it's one of the most ballsy things in like horror film history to be like hey Part one was this extremely successful blockbuster hit. Let's use part two and, I don't know, maybe explore... Yeah, let's see more. ...homosexuality yeah. and what it's like to live with a secret. And yeah, like... What a crazy thing, move. The things that your your dreams would be bringing up constantly, the yeah. things you suppress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty ballsy move. It is. It's a it's a big move, and um, I, it... It paid off for us yeah. at the very least. Oh yeah, that and it made a... money in the theater. So yeah, it did. Yeah. That's, that's all that matters for them. Number six is a Get Out. Yeah, Get Out. I'd love to Get Out when I saw it, but really analyzing it, and even that, like, 
uh, there was so much stuff that yeah. we didn't talk about. Like oh, I know. after yeah, we watching it again, again. Yeah. I was just like, "Gosh, why didn't we talk about this and this and this?" Yeah. yeah. The first time I saw it in theaters, whenever it came out, I I liked it. Like, yeah. I wasn't like head over heels nuts about it. Like everybody was just raving about it, and I was like, "Yeah, right. it, was, it was good. It was original." But then whenever we chose to do it for the show, and I watched it with a lot more analytical eye. Dude, it's like that movie goes and goes and goes and goes. Mm-hmm. It is extremely, extremely deep. Yeah. And, and that yeah. kind of exploration of just racial, I don't know what to call that, racial issues, racial yeah. problems and stuff like that, explored in such a weird and interesting way where you don't bring the KKK and burning crosses into right. it or anything like that. Yeah, like, you don't, that's not the fear. The fear is the people who seem normal. Yeah. Who seem like they're on your side. Yeah, mm. exactly. Such a cool fucking flick. And again, I, I can't wait to see us. Dude, I am so excited for that yeah. movie. Like that, the previews have been making it so crazy. Like yeah. it looks like, I don't know what's happening. No. But I want to know. I want to know yeah. more about it. What do you think about number five here on the list? The Black Croats Dragner. Oh, man. The Black Coats Daughter is so fucking, fucking good. Awesome. That is a movie that is insane to me that everybody isn't talking about it yeah. a lot. Like, I, I hardly meet anybody who's seen it. Yeah. Blows my mind. Oz Perkins did a great job. We, we talked about it in one of our videos, his other movie, uh, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. That's also good. Black Coats Daughter, though, is just insanely perfect yeah uh satanic horror yeah dude i love it and again it goes straight for evil you yeah, know just pure satan yeah yep which i love that about it but it's so cool man again it, it's not just the typical evil demon possession kind of thing either it's explored in such a weird angle where it's like this is a really 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 lonely person that yeah maybe kind of wants to be possessed yeah that doesn't want to be alone yeah, yeah. So demented and strange. Extremely, yeah. And it's got some twists and stuff in there, so it's one of those that has rewatchability to it. You know, a lot of yeah. Those there's a lot to catch on it, right? Yeah. But I'm with you. Like, I don't know how everybody isn't talking about that flick. Yeah. I fucking love it. Definitely worth watching. I've been in the mood to watch it again lately, man. Just do it. I know. Okay, number four, we got one that made a big old splash whenever it hit streaming. I'm talking about a little movie from Down Under. I come from a London Down Under. It's that Baba Duke 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 Duke. <laughs> that does kind of make it cuter. Softens the it Baba up Duke, a little bit. Duke, yeah. Duke. That's more like that sexy Baba Duke that people on the internet. Yeah, like. that's strange to me. Sexy Baba Duke and Pennywise. People that, are... I don't think those are things that we should conventionally be attracted to. <laughs> I don't know. I don't mean to be judgmental. It doesn't work for me. I'll put it that way. Doesn't yeah, no, I'm not a Bob Duke sexual. I don't want no part of that Bob a dick. No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> it's cold. That's cold, but all right. Dude, it's such a cool movie, and the way that it handles, you know, talking about depression and grief and yeah. grieving. Really dealing with oh. hard-hitting shit and about not liking your kid. Oh, dude, Like, yeah. the shit that parents don't want to say out loud, but right. like, that movie deals with it. Probably the most unlikable child in film history, I think. Yeah, yeah. Imagine I can't if you contain. were like if you were locked in a McDonald's ball pit with him and the kid from the Santa Claus. Oh no. <laughs> like are you killing them or are you killing yourself to get away? I'm just gonna try to swallow one of those balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put yourself under, yeah. man. 
Yeah, dude, fucking awful. But also like legit scary. That movie yeah. is freaky as shit. It really is. Some great visuals in there. Uh-huh. Even, even like the weird stuff where like she's in the police station and she sees the coat oh, man. that looks like the Duke. Yeah. It's one of those that has you like peering into every corner and looking at shadows weird after you watch it, you know? Yeah, and that's... I mean, because that's the stuff you're already scared of. That's the the good stuff to play on. Yeah. Like, you're not scared of a cat jumping out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, if it did happen, you'd be like, yeah. what oh, the fucking kitty. cat? <laughs> I don't oh. have a cat. That's what I would say. <laughs> that is strange. Where did you come <laughs> Whose from? Whose cat is this? <laughs> <laughs> Whose cat is this? That sounds like an awesome game show. Yeah. <laughs> where, like... Basically, you set up a, a big number of cats and have the owners stand at one end and just see if a cat will go to its owner. Oh. <laughs> and if it won't, you keep the cat, I guess. I don't know. Like, it's kind of like those videos that pop up where it's like it's 10 people in a lineup and you guess who does what job for a living. Right. You just put the cat in the room and you're like, who owns this cat? Because uh-huh. the cat doesn't give a fuck about any of them. Right. It'd be the most impossible random uh-huh. game of all time. It would go to one person and claw the shit out of them for some reason. Yeah, and it'd be like, oh, that's that cat's owner. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, next on our list, number three here, we got a recent entry into the horror world, which I think is a certifiable fucking masterpiece mm-hmm. of all time. I'm talking about Ari Aster's Hurdy-Turdy. 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 Hurdy-Gurdy. The Hurdy-Gurdy. Ari Aster's rendition of the Hurdy-Gurdy. <laughs> Dude, that movie, uh, again, we've gushed about it at length, but... There's just so much to it. There's so yeah. much to it. I loved it the minute that I saw yeah, it. Yeah, me too. And we did a mini-sode on it and talked about it. And then when it came out and I watched it again, I was like, there's so much yeah. here. Oh, like, yeah. There's so much Well, the thing about it on. is, is like the first time that I watched it, I loved it, but I was so fucking terrified of it, <laughs> I couldn't really like appreciate it. Right. It was just like, holy shit. Like, I loved that because it scared me to damn death. Like, that movie scared me in a way no movie has ever even touched. But after we got to watch it for, you know, the second time to do it for the show, and you're like, man, you know, knowing going into it what's going to scare you about it and that you're going to be freaked out, you're just able to watch it with the eye for how much detail and how much nuance there is in the movie. Yeah. It is immaculately crafted. It's got the element... I mean, because when you when you actually put research into a movie, but don't do make the mistake of turning that research into exposition... Right, yeah. But like oh, in, that's a great way to put it, yeah. But include it. You include that research by... Having it in the background or having yeah. it be this symbol that, that you keep seeing or whatever, uh, you you encourage other people to research. And then as they're doing it, they're learning that stuff that you learned, but they get the experience of actually learning it. Wow. Which yeah. is more interesting you know, than that, just being told. That's pretty interesting that you put it that way because that that's a really... Uh, that's a really fascinating trick that I think a filmmaker can use. Is yeah. where they're like, if I display this little taste of information to you yeah, and it makes enough of a mark then even after you watch the movie you're going to go and research it to find yeah. out more and after you find out more you're going to become more freaked out right? than if <laughs> I'd have just told you everything uh, right there in the movie because uh, like everybody that I know that has watched this 
mm-hmm. has done the same thing as us. They went and they fucking checked out. Right. What is payment? What is the whole mythos uh-huh. of that? You know, what is the uh, what is the, mean, the lost key of Solomon? Any like, any writers out there listening? Um, it's it's a trick. Yeah. Get people involved in what you're writing. Yeah. Like if you like. I know you want to tell them everything. Sure. I know you've got it all mapped Spoon out and figured it. out. You right. want to give them every single thing. But don't. Like, give them the least amount possible. Yeah. Do, go Ryan Gosling in uh, uh, Drive. <laughs> like, he, he, minimum. he sat down with Nicholas Reffin and took out as many of his lines as really? he could. He thought it made his character even better to not say much of anything. That's pretty cool. And it works. Yeah. Like, just do that with your writing. Go in and just take, just kill your darlings. Right. Get rid of the stuff that tells too much. Yeah. And just show it. Show it. And people will get invested in it. Right. And then you've kind of cheated by now getting people them do the to work. want you to do something else. Yeah, yeah. So that they well, can do the work again because people yeah. love that experience. And that's that's one of those things too that shows that the the filmmaker has a level of confidence in yep. what he's doing to be like, you know what? I don't have to spoon feed them. Yep. They're going to do the research on their own yeah. after they see this shit. Yep. Like that is such a bold, confident move uh-huh. that I wish more Especially people would take. for a first movie. I mean, it's not his... Good God, It's man. not his first... Uh, Thing. He does have a yeah, short called Meet the Johnsons that's apparently very fucked up. Yeah, I heard kind of a yeah. synopsis of it, and it sounds and very He did some strange. other shorts, but this is his first feature-length film, and it's amazing. Straight uh, out of the gate. Dude, Midsommar is looking awesome. It does. It looks great. It's got that uh, Wicker Man sort of Definitely, vibe to it. Yeah. yeah, and it's about a cult. It's like This seems like it's more openly about a cult this yeah. time. But considering how well he dealt with cult stuff in, in Hereditary, I already know that it's going to freak me the fuck out. So <laughs> I can't wait to see. I think the previews aren't showing us even remotely yeah, a no, taste of what the I think, about. I think it's just giving us an idea of what might happen. But yeah, I think I think previews kind of ruin a lot of stuff. Yeah. They well, give you, know, you the wrong idea about stuff. The the thing with Midsummer too is like the way that the trailers and all the promotional art, like everything has this like festive flowery yeah. spring festival. Uh-huh. Like nothing about it looks horrific. No. And that's making me more nervous. <laughs> it's like I think he's gonna have some stuff in there to contrast yeah. our immediate uh first impressions of it. And it's gonna be grisly and nightmarish. So Oh obviously. There's no no other way to go about it. Number two on our list, Steven, is an old classic that was one of the movies that I wanted to do whenever we started the show. And we put it off for a while, and I'm glad that we did. I'm talking about none other than Sleep Away Camp. Yeah. Which is the king of all camp slashers. It really is the king, I think so. Maybe the queen. I don't know. You know what? Maybe it's both. (laughs) Maybe it's both. Yeah. (laughs) Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. But, dude, like that movie, it's so easy just to watch it just for the schlock value alone. Yeah. And be like, it's, whatever cheesy 80s slasher weird the, ending. Like, it's the campiest in two ways. It's yeah. the most like a summer camp. Yep. And it's also extremely campy. Yeah. But also very, you know, it has its depth to it as yeah. well. I think there's a lot of stuff in there about, yeah, gender roles and yeah. uh, sexuality and how confusing that can be. Mm-hmm. That I think a lot of people don't really unpack whenever they watch it. Yeah. It's, I mean, because they're a bunch of kids in bare midriff shirts playing softball and 
calling each other uh, horrendous names. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you're not paying attention, maybe, to yeah. the deeper subtext. <laughs> yeah, dude. But, you know, again, like I said, it's one of those that I loved immediately, but after we kind of broke it down, I am just now, like, absolutely yeah. nuts about that movie in every way. I think there's so much more to it than people give it credit for. Eat shit and live, Bill. <laughs> dude, in that soundtrack. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Just more of that. Uh It's so good. I love Sleepaway Camp. Okay, number one on our list is one that we recently did, which is my personal favorite horror movie of all time. I'm talking about El Shining. Yep, that's how they call it. That, That episode right there, you know, whenever we decided to start this show, I knew, of course, one day we would do The Shining. And I was honestly like... It's one of those things where I love the movie so much and there's so much to say about it that I was like so nervous about doing that episode for yeah. so long. Oh yeah. I yeah, I, I I wanted it to be the perfect time to do it. Yeah. I wanted and we luckily had some lead up time to really get into yeah. it. But even then coming into it I was like, I don't know if I've looked at it enough. Right. Because uh, there's so many angles to analyze it from. Mm-hmm. And it's a class like it's widely regarded yeah, as, yeah some consider maybe the best horror film i maybe one of the best films yeah i do for sure yeah um and, and i i also do as well so like yeah it was it's, it was intimidating but going into it man there was just so much that it, no matter how many times i'd seen it no matter how many times i'd try to you know figure out yeah. what was going on um so much stuff just kept coming up and it would happen like if we did it again there we could probably do another three-hour show and talk about completely different stuff yeah well because it's one of those ones where even though i have seen it so many times i still feel like there is subtle stuff that i notice every time i watch it and it's like i'm constantly scouring youtube or other podcasts Uh or whatever and people are like putting out information and details that i hadn't noticed before right it's cool to me to know that other people are as obsessed with that movie as I am mm-hmm. and are constantly on the prowl for stuff the same as I am too because there's just there's so much to it dude it's it's an onion of a movie you can just keep peeling it's, them it's layers like back it's exactly like Shrek <laughs> basically The Shining is Shrek it's Shrek the movie yeah Shrek the movie the movie Shrek the movie the movie, movie. uh huh because I think I've seen that I might have seen that more than any other horror flick ever, which might be crazy because it's like 100 hours long. That and like the first Elm Street and the first Halloween mm-hmm. might be some of my most watched horror I movies think ever. The Shining or Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. probably for me are the two that I've watched the most. Yeah? Yeah. What would you think a third would be on there if mm. you were just to, to wager a guess? In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah? Yeah. You've seen it that many times. Yeah, I saw it. Like so many times as a teenager, it was one of my favorite movies. I just watched it over and over, and now like I watched it so many times as an adult. Yeah, I uh, still love it. It's awesome, man. Yeah, every time, like the last time I watched it, I was like, every time Sam Neill speaks, it could be a meme. Mm-hmm. Like every single thing he says is insane and that. awesome and wonderful, and like fits so many situations. No doubt. So good, man. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. You know, I would be really interested to hear from our fans on this one. I would love to hear from you guys, like, if there are any particular movies that we've covered on the show that we've, you know, either exposed you to for the first time or maybe exposed you to new facets of, like, made you reevaluate movies that you, maybe that you used to not like, but now you do, or 
movies that you used to like, but now you don't. Maybe you used to love yeah. Final Destination or The Conjuring until I mean, you started actually, watching our show. I don't know. I would kind of hate. <laughs> yeah, I would kind of hate to ruin a movie for anyone ex- except for Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. Uh, I'm very glad, very glad Actual to pedophile. ruin that yeah. for people because it's not ruining for them. It's letting them know. Yeah. Like, don't support that. Yeah. Just yeah. like, hey, yeah, it's probably a shitty thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't like ruining a movie for anybody, but I also am not going to pretend to like a movie I don't like. Yeah. Right. So yeah. maybe after this comes out, I'll post a thread on our Facebook group, which you guys can find at Dead and Lovely Dead Horror Lovely Podcast. Horror Podcast. Group, group show. We're if you, there. Seriously, just fucking look it up on Facebook. Yeah, just, you will find it. You don't need like a URL. It's like lovely on Facebook. I think we are the first thing that pops up. Although, sure. you know what? I sure hope it's fixed because this is, this is during the great Facebook Instagram blackout of 2019. Yeah, it started as we with Facebook, this. then it moved to Instagram. I what? tried to make an Instagram post on the way home, and it You it think they're load trying up. to prove a point to Senator Warren? Yeah. Because she said she wanted to break up the tech monopoly. Oh, she like did. Google and Facebook. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because Facebook owns Instagram. Right, right, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Maybe they're like, huh, imagine what you would do without us. You know what I did? Not sit on Instagram and Facebook. You know what? <laughs> it didn't really end yeah. up hurting me at all. Yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, it's been one of those things where it's like, I, I've definitely like played more guitar and been more productive. Like, yeah. made videos and stuff today because I wasn't <laughs> just nuking time scrolling right. through that shit. But at the same time, I was like, what if it never comes back and people can't find new weekend wank shop tabs? I was like, oh shit. Well, you could still use Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Twitter. I don't yeah, like I Twitter. I am too. Like, Twitter is just pretty much not I don't like Twitter. Like I don't like Facebook. Yeah. I'm, I do like Instagram. I like Instagram. I, I like Instagram. It's my favorite social bit. media for sure. Yeah. For sure, man. But I, I have started to see a lot more on Instagram of shit that I just don't want to yeah, see. And yeah. Fuck, man. Can't we just have fun without assholes coming along? That's why you need to follow WrestleBotch and WrestleBotch only, because WrestleBotch is the greatest <laughs> feed on Instagram. WrestleBotch and WrestleBotch only. Dude, it's the best. You That's follow awesome. it, don't you? No. I, no way. I, have I showed you? No. All that it is is uh-huh. classic, like, interview things and like people doing bumps that have gone really bad. Oh, no. From, mostly classic matches. There's newer stuff they put in there, too. But it's just all people fucking up. Huh. And they even do like Supercell Sunday. Okay. Where on Sundays they just post clips of guys like selling the shit out of moves. So there's a no. lot of like, you know, uh, like Stone uh, Stone Cold like giving people the stunner and like The Rock like bouncing off of his head. Oh, yeah. The like Rock that. did. He sold, he sold the a stunner so good. The best. Uh, HBK real yep. good at selling everything. Uh, Flair. Ric Flair. Flair is, is the like best. salesman yeah. of the millennium right mm-hmm. there. There's a lot of Flair stuff on there. Yeah. Dude, WrestleBotch, you got to follow. Okay. It is the best. Man. Tell, them, tell them Dead and Lovely sent you. <laughs> but yeah, I'll start up a, a thread or something on the Facebook group. I'd like to hear from you guys and see which horror movies, you know, maybe we've improved or not improved or introduced y'all to or something like that. Do our hundred of episode. Man. Here on Drad. One and, and hundred. One and hundred. Four from now, uh, we're on our two year anniversary. It's pretty wild. Wow. Some wild and crazy guys. What's the anniversary for two years? Is it like, is that your paper anniversary? What is it? Oh, uh, that's one. That's the one year anniversary. I think two is maybe ten or yeah. something, or aluminum, or oh, a, that'd be like a, a beer rock can, you a found on can. the side of the road. I don't know. I think for that we buy oh, each other beer a beer. Can. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Keep the anniversary real. 
I like that. <laughs> keep the anniversary yeah, real. Keep it alive, man. Beer. All right. Now, the subject of our show today for our 100th episode is going to be none other than she's a dancing queen. Young and stuff. She's Does it, They say young and lean only 17. I think so. That's strange. Maybe not. Yeah. I, I hope that's not it, because that sounds like you're going to eat her. Either way, she's having the yeah. time of her life. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. You can die. You, you can, can die. die. Abba's awesome. They really are. You want to start an Abba podcast yes. where we talk about Abba songs? Yes. Right after right this. Right now? Yeah. The end. Bye, guys. <laughs> See you guys later. Abba cast. <laughs> Abba cast. Uh-huh. <laughs> So we're going to be talking about uh, Suspiria from 2018. Of course, we covered the original long, long ago, I think on episode eight or yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was that. real early. We were only just kids then. Oh, just sweet man. summer Squeaky children, voiced, dude. Um, Welcome to Dad and Lovely. Yeah. Hi, oh, we're just talking about Suspiria this we're week. We're on the island of Misfit Toys. <laughs> Talking about Suspiria. <laughs> That's probably one of my better impressions is the Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah, that was, that was very good. Island of Misfit good. Toys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we covered the original a long time ago, and we did a mini-sode on this. I think it was in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, right when it came out last uh, October, maybe. Something like that. Somewhere yeah, I think there. it was in October, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And whenever it came out, you know, I went back actually and scanned through our our episode. We did our mini okay. set of it because after viewing it this time, which I hadn't seen it since we did the mini set, mm-hmm. you know, I left it and I was like, I wonder if this is how I felt the first time that I watched it. Right. So I went back and listened to our episode, and yeah, I was kind of like, I don't know how to feel about this. Huh. And I think that that hasn't changed a lot since then. All right. You know, it's pretty interesting stuff. You don't know how to feel. I'm I'm really unsure. Because okay. I love the original. Right. You know, the original by Dario Argento. He make it a pizza. I mean, you know what? He also make it a focaccia. He make a focaccia. He make a raviol. Oh. Sometimes he lay out the manicot. Capocol. He lay out the capocol. <laughs> he drink a divino. Oh, he drink a divino. <laughs> <laughs> it's a me, Dario. <laughs> Why haven't we ever done that before? We did. Uh, well, technically, okay. I did yesterday. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, when D. Argento called into the oh, podcast. Oh, that's probably what was in my head. I was really... <laughs> it's a me, a Dario. <laughs> I mean a D. Argento. <laughs> I was real fucked up when I listened to it, so yeah. that just entered my subconscious. Well, I was pretty stoned when I made it. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so I love the original. So going into the release of this one, I was very excited but but apprehensive because I treasure the original and its Technicolor dreamscape fantasy tale. Mm, of that's yeah, that's one ballet like, and not really a lot of ballet. Yeah, no ballet at all, really. No, <laughs> yeah. no, uh-uh. more piano playing than ballet. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, but honestly, I'd say just about as much dancing done by the ballet dancers as there is. German guys in lederhosen in that restaurant that the piano player guy goes oh, to. Oh man, that's actually They're the doing big dance the slap set piece. Dance, yeah. <laughs> that's actually the biggest dance set yeah, piece of the is. movie. Now that I think about it, A like beer they're all dance. They're too. more choreographed than the ballet dancers. They are, yeah. 
<laughs> there's yeah that i mean and that's something luca guanadino wanted to bring to this movie was actual dancing yeah and, and so he brought of- it full force yeah he brought the dance he was like you know what i really love uh i really love you got served I really love Step Up. Step Up. Yeah, I think he was a big fan uh-huh. of that one. I want to say he loved a dirty dance. Oh, he definitely. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Uh-uh. Abortion. Nobody puts Susie in a corner. There's an abortion in that movie. Do you remember this part? You know what? No, I don't. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Dirty dancing. I've had the time of my life. And I owe it all to Jerry Orbach. It's a choice, not a child. (laughs) (laughs) That's the the fourth verse you've never heard. (laughs) Get rid of that fetal. (laughs) Scrambled eggs. (laughs) Is that what Paul McCartney was getting at? Scrambled eggs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was like, just getting an abortion. Oh, a song would be good. Let me call up Johnny. Boy, you know what? This all really puts a different Wait, kind of Wait, that wasn't a good Paul McCartney. Let me try this. Hold okay, yeah, try again. Try again. <laughs> it's me, Paul McCartney. <laughs> That's a little more Lennon. Oh, sorry. It's a little Lennon-y. It's me, John Lennon. Hello. And you have to imagine. Can you imagine? I imagine think of, all I think the Paul people. had more of a, a slow gait in his voice, and he kind of had some upwards <laughs> inflection like that. <laughs> he sounds kind of like a Muppet, actually. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, kind of. I can imagine his head a little flappy. Yeah. Anyway. All the scrambled egg talk really puts a, a very different spin on the theme song of Frasier. <laughs> Toss salad. Well, now, yeah, and scrambled yeah. eggs. Yeah, I mean, now, I mean, toss salad. We already knew we what, what he was talking means. about. Because yeah. nobody eats scrambled eggs with toss salad, uh-uh, but no, maybe no. you eat somebody's butthole and then have some scrambled eggs. Yeah, you have to have a abortion yeah. later. Sure. <laughs> Boy, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> Not as dark as this movie. This movie's pretty fucking dark, man. So going into it, you know, I was. I'll tell you this. I was hoping that it wouldn't be a remake, a direct yeah, yeah. spot-on remake. Because the original... why? Why make yeah, it? Yeah, it's such a singular, mm-hmm. unique vision, that movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And we talked about it whenever we did the original Suspiria, but it's like, that movie is basically no story. It's basically yeah. all audio it's and visual. visual. Yeah, it's all audio and visual. It's about yeah. it's about art yeah and 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 making something bright and vibrant and weird yeah exactly yeah it's an acid trip fever dream fantasy fairy tale of a movie yeah that has one of the thinnest plots really ever right yeah a girl joins a dance studio they're all witches she burns the place down and leaves that's essentially all there is to it that's basically all there is to it but it's you know, it's surrounded by this incredible goblin soundtrack, which is like mind blowingly sick. Yeah. And just steals the attention of every scene, but it doesn't even matter. Oh, it's the best. It's the fucking best, dude. And then the visuals are just so overpowering that it's like, witch. Oh, uh-huh. I love it so much. But it's like, it doesn't even matter that the story and dialogue and stuff are pretty much non existent. Like, it actually does carry itself on the audio yeah. and visuals alone. It does. And so I was hoping. Well, it's not, I mean, uh, like, it's not one of my favorite horror movies of all time or anything because of the lack of story. But sure. it's also like the lack of story is something you don't notice as much because of all the other stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. enough to keep you entertained. Yeah. So 
I went into this hoping that they weren't just going to try to recapture that because it's like you said, what would be the fucking point of that? Yeah. You know? And whenever we saw it, I was definitely, well, I was definitely like, you know what? That was not the original. It's not. How would you describe what we were treated to in contrast to the OG? Okay, so this remake is it's more grounded in reality. Okay, um, yeah. D- both visually, uh, musically, I would say the sure. the music plays more along with the. It's much more organic, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. plays along more with the actual feel of each scene, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it also, despite the fact that it feels more realistic and more grounded, it's also more fantastical. It's more magical than right. the first one. There's yeah. far more magic in it. Like, yeah. In fact, wh- what magic happens in the other one, honestly? I mean, like, do they make that bat show up in the bathroom? <laughs> oh, the bat scene. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, there's there, not a there's, lot of magic going. There's on. an invisible Helena Marcos mm-hmm, who, yeah. I guess they, well, yeah, they just kind of like poison her food and wine. She kind of controls something with a hairy arm that yeah. we only see once. I guess so. Yeah, not really necessarily yeah. tons of, of magic, exactly. But there's a ton of it in this. Like, it happens yeah. pretty regularly. A person gets nearly headless nicked. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, nearly decapitated. Yeah. Nearly decapitated. Through the magic. And she survives she through does. the magic. She does that indeed. Yeah. And, you know, I have a theory as to how this movie was created because I know to a lot of people that are fans of the original, they got really upset that this movie is such a obvious, very far departure from the original. But here's what they don't know about it. Mm-hmm. You, I went through the, the dates of production. I checked the calendars. I went back several years to right. the research here. It was actually written on opposite day. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, that fixes it. Luca Guadagnino is like, I want to ride to the Suspiria today. Yeah. Oh, it's opposite today. Yeah. He, he did it. He made the calzone instead of making the pizza. He put <laughs> he the did. crust on the he outside. He inverted it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he showed you what's up. Because when you start looking at, you know, just some of the bare facts about this movie and the way that it plays out compared to the original. There's some that are very obvious. There's some that are less obvious. It is in every way the opposite of the original. And I think that some people could interpret that as disrespect to the original movie. Mm -hmm. I think you could also interpret that as respect to the original to say the original movie did what it did so well. I'm not even going to try to retread some of that. So I made kind of a little list of some of the things about this that are complete opposites. I want to run them by it and see if it's just my imagination or if you think it's there too. It's just imagination. Okay, so in the original, mm-hmm. the witches are a rumor, a whisper, right? a secret. Mm-hmm. And it's finally revealed at the very end, OMG, all of them, Horches. They real. They real. They are real, they say. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this movie, it is just on Front Street. These here's a bunch of witches. Of course, there's the visual contrast. Yeah. Uh, bright primary colors in the original no primary colors in this and I'll tell you man I think that the look of this movie is fucking gorgeous it is and it it, but it looked there's a lot of nature in this whereas in the original almost every shot takes place inside of a building or outside of a building mm-hmm. like yeah. there's not a lot of nature involved right. with this everything is a bit more natural Minimal dance, maximum dance. Yep, those are opposites for sure. Minimal plot, 
Lots of plot. <laughs> Lots of plot, yeah. There's men. There's not men. Right, yeah. One is very short, the other one is extremely long. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Suspiria's like an hour and 20 or something. It's hour very 30. short. Like you could cut Suspiria out of Suspiria 2018 and still have a lengthy movie. Yeah, you still have about 45 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, even the dance styles couldn't be more different. The original is more this soft, sensitive ballet yeah, thing. There's no reason for the dancing in the original, even. Like, it's they not didn't there. Ha- it didn't That's have not to there. be there. Like yeah. it didn't. And when it does happen, it doesn't. There's no meaning to it. Right. Yeah. And in this, it's contrasted with a much more oh, this violent, is about visceral. And yeah, and plot wise, yeah, it's about dance. dance and it's about its physicality and what it means and what uh, space. It's about space and time, and and uh, it's about pain and mm-hmm. all of the things associated with dance. Right. Um, whereas, yeah, the original nothing to Not do with really. dance at all, except yeah. that it's involving a dance studio. On- honestly, like the school is way more important than the actual dance aspect right yeah the building itself is more important than it could have just been a prep school or something it didn't really have to be a ballet school or anything like that and also too, the last thing i have on the list here is the violence in the original is completely silly and unrealistic and over the top and crazy whereas in this one it is at times very realistic and fucking brutal well yeah i mean the the contortionist scene is three minutes Long. It's long, and then and that's not brutal. the end of her being contorted oh, and tortured. Man. Like yeah. she's still alive at the yeah. end of that. Yeah, and then they hook her. Um, you know what I did in regards to the original for this what, movie? What did you do? I didn't read about it at all because I don't think it has anything to do with it. I don't think there so are two yeah. two movies that share a title. I don't think it does any benefit to to try to say which one's better. Yeah, yeah, you know? and and they're not related. I mean, like, because nah. the three mothers in the Argento films, um, Helena Marcos is Mother Suspiriorum, and, right. and, like, she's involved in a much deeper storyline and stuff. And in this one, she's not. Mm-hmm. So this is alternate universe. This is, like, you know, the new 52 in DC. This is, uh, you know, a, a completely different thing um, that involves familiar names. Right. And characteristics, maybe, but but completely different types of characters. Definitely. Yeah. What do you think about that cast of characters that we have in this? Um. Well, I mean, you know, Dakota Johnson is amazing as Susie. Yeah. Like she she really knows herself from the beginning, um, and comes off very genuine. Like the scene where she's told that she is she's being accepted in the dance academy yeah. like she she gives a very genuine sort of reaction yeah, and definitely. stuff but she's also very confident and knows she's she's instinctive yeah she knows what she needs to be doing right. even if it's not what's supposed to be well, happening i'll tell you this like the first time that we watched the movie in theaters uh-huh i thought that her performance well, in terms of her physicality, her performance is great. But yeah. in terms of like her acting and stuff, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it because she's pretty kind of spacey through a lot of the movie. Right. But after you know what you know by the end of the movie right. and you watch this for the second time knowing all along... Uh-huh. That she knows. Yeah, who her character is. And she's like... Yeah. 
you know, like there, there's stuff that I even noticed about her this time around where like whenever she goes in and it's just after she goes into the school already knowing that Patricia has left. Yeah. You know, it's like she is very much powerful and very in control of yeah, she does, situation. and she doesn't seem to be. Very, I mean, she's interested in it as far as Sarah's interested in it, but yeah. she's not like. But what happened to her? Yeah, she's exactly. Just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So watching it this time around with what you know about her character, um, you know, you already, you already know yeah. who she is and stuff. I think her performance is a lot more interesting and makes a lot more yeah, sense. It does. The sec- second time around. <laughs> Speaking of. Full House. Lori Laughlin's in some trouble. Um, <laughs> what an idiot. Man, William H. God, Macy as dude. well. Now, here uh, I thought that our schools were really filled with our best and brightest, Steve. You thought? I uh, really strangely thought. Strangely enough, you thought that Harvard and Yale and maybe Penn, uh-huh. the Wharton School of Business maybe, is putting out somebody who a professor might later describe as the dumbest student <laughs> that he's ever had, and that guy might become president. Um <laughs> <laughs> let's talk uh, let's talk uh, a bit about the production of this uh and why it came to exist um it's the rights to it were bought in like 2011 or so okay uh with the intention to make a remake with david gordon green directing that did it, the new halloween yeah, uh, is is that who did it? I'm yeah, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, um. Anyway, he he was supposed to direct that would be something cool. that would have been more of a faithful adaptation. Okay, to of the original Suspiria. Um, and he kind of ended up leaving the project, and the people involved kind of ended up leaving the project behind. And Luca Guadagnino came along and grabbed up David Kajganish. That's it. Nailed it. Yeah. He's a writer who wrote um, the upcoming Pet Cemetery remake. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, he hooked up with him and told him basically what he was thinking of. And um, they, they worked out this idea of setting Suspiria in the same time period, but actually making the time period matter. Mm. Whereas the original Suspiria, like... The time and place don't matter. Well, it was the, modern, you know? I mean, yeah, it was modern for when it came out. At the out. time, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be modern day. And then the place itself was like, the only place that really mattered was the dance hall. Yeah, that's it. Nothing else is important. Yeah. Um, but this was more about making the, the actual history going on reflect something of what's going on in the dance studio and also saying more about dance itself right and saying more about like these power struggles between women and Mm -hmm. what it means to be feminist and Mm -hmm. and can you um can you be feminist and also want to be the one in charge of women right yeah yeah yeah. can you be helena marcos and also be feminist right um so yeah they 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 dealt with a lot of those issues and then um, Luca Guadagnino just grabbed some people from his movie that he had just made, which I can't remember what it's called. The big Call Me By something. My Name or whatever? No, it's uh, this is before Call Me By Your uh, Name, okay. basically. Uh, the movie you made before that. He did Cody Johnson's and that and Tilda Swinton. Okay. He basically just said, like, hey, we're going to make this Suspiria remake. We're getting the band back together. Uh-huh. And so they, they both were going to be in the movie. Um, and... <laughs> Like they they ended up 
with this dense movie. Like, this very dense, like, hard to penetrate if you don't know the whole context around what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, you can still see it as the story it is and, and get it in that, but, like, you don't see every connection they're trying to make. Uh, and this is basically, I would say, like a, a novel as a film, like not mm. not an adaptation, but I mean, like the, this film has the depth that a novel has, mm-hmm. where you can interpret and reinterpret and reinterpret and still be only halfway through understanding one little bit of it, right? Um, and and so that's what they were going for. They wanted that um, this sort of depth to it. Which again is a direct contrast to the transparent, yeah, paper thin. Exactly. Yeah, they plot were of the original. Um, somebody referred to this basically as uh, an annotated ver. Somebody's annotation okay, yeah. about the original, like yeah. somebody going through the original and being like, "Why would this happen? Yeah. Why? What? What is this tension? What? How would these things play out?" The footnotes make it twice as long. Yeah. As the original text. Yeah. So the, that's what they did. They they made it twice as long the original almost. Yeah. Um. And then also, you know, uh, they brought in Tom York to make music that most of the time works. And, you know, this is another interesting... Most of the time is really good. And uh, Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And this is another interesting parallel in terms of the opposites that I was, I was talking about right. earlier. So, the with music. the original Suspiria, <laughs> Goblin did the soundtrack mm-hmm. and they shot the movie around the soundtrack. Right. He presented the soundtrack to them and was like, okay, make a movie based around this. Yeah. In this movie, I found this out recently, the entire movie was shot and then Tom York did the soundtrack. Right. So it's literally the opposite. Exactly. Soundtrack came first, soundtrack came last on this. And uh, anybody that knows me knows that there are a few bands out there that all the cool kids like that I just don't like. I would put a U2 on that list. Oh. I would put a Radiohead on that list. Okay. That's one of those bands, although I'll tell you this, I respect the hell out of Radiohead. Okay. Because the minute that I hear one of their songs or hear Tom York, you instantly know it's them. And I'll always have a level of respect for that. Yeah. You know, even bands that I really dislike, like uh, System of a Down, (laughs) I will say, (laughs) man, you know when it's them. Right away, you know. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him that. So I'm not really much of a radio guy. It's basically like, like I've been told this before. Somebody said, "I knew you were coming." Like your voice is extremely loud. <laughs> it's obvious that it's you. Heard you for a song. Yeah, like yeah, yeah system yeah. of a down. I yeah, I knew what that was. Yeah, as I heard it. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you know, given that. Uh, Johnny Greenwood did some great movie soundtracks. He did like, uh, in, uh, what's it called? There Will Be Blood uh-huh. and a bunch of other flicks and stuff. I was yeah, kind Johnny of excited. Green is more of the he's more of the one that builds these atmospheric sort of right albums that they have. And I would, uh, yeah, that's the one I, that's the person I would think they would go to. Right, Tom but, York. Okay, yeah, fine. But you know the thing about Radiohead stuff that I'll say is even though I don't really like it, there are elements of their music, and I mean the music as in not the vocals, uh-huh. that I really like. Like songs like Pyramid Song and even OK Computer and stuff uh-huh. like that. 
have really, really fascinating musical aspects to them. So I was excited to see what he brought to the table. And I will say that maybe 70% of this is really good. Uh, It's the vocals. It's the fucking vocals, man. So here's here's the thing about it. I will say this. I like Tom York's voice. I'm not saying it's his voice. Yeah. It's the fact that there are vocals. It's the fact that there are vocals. Yeah. Yeah. They're just intrusive. They don't need to be there. I completely agree. And, you know, it's so funny because, again, going back to the opposite day thing I was talking about, the original one is this crazy, ridiculous prog synth Uh rock thing by Goblin that is so overwhelming and so intrusive and grabs all the attention. Yeah. And it's like with this, they said opposite, you know, make it subtle, make it atmospheric, Mm -hmm. make it blend into the background and stuff like that. But then the crazy thing is, is by putting vocals on it and also by Tom York saying, I should be the one that sings this fucking shit. Right. It actually makes it more obtrusive than the Goblin score. You know, and, and here's the thing. The Goblin score to the original one is not instrumental. It goes, witch, like a hundred times in the movie. it does. But the fact is, is like, okay, when this movie is working so hard to set itself in a time period and be time period authentic, and even using a lot of filming techniques and stuff that are very 1977, snap zooms and stuff. Yeah, they tried to shoot uh, on the same sort of stuff that Argento used. Yeah, and even the aspect ratio and stuff is all old school and stuff. And then whenever it's soundtrack time and Tom York starts fucking singing, you go, oh, Radiohead. Got right. It. Fucking Radiohead. Yeah. That's, not, that's not something that would exist in this movie. It rips you out of the time it period. It does. It reminds you that this is a new movie yeah. disguising itself as an old movie. Yeah, and the time that it, it is the worst is during the Witch's Sabbath where yeah. it gets to what this the fuck? height of feminine power and energy and then suddenly Tom York singing. It's like, why? Oh, dude, dude this is on. the wrong moment this for your is... voice to be involved. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. It's like the soundtrack should have been mansplain. Yeah. <laughs> he does, one of the times he does vocalize, he does say the word magic. And I'm like, come on. That's seriously? just too clear. Like, it's too on the nose. And why? I mean, seriously, why did he say, you know who should sing this fucking me? Me. Yeah. Like, have anybody else sing it. Have just some, like, unknown chick singer yeah. do the vocal parts. Have there be no vocals would be the preference. Really. Yeah, that would have been better. But seriously, like have having your voice, one of the most identifiable voices in music for the past thirty years, mm. have him doing the vocals is one of the biggest mistakes possible. Like I yeah. really fucking hate it. The first time that we watched it, and it was again at the red room scene at the very end, I was so intrigued and just blown away by all the crazy yeah. shit that was happening that. Whenever it got to the soundtrack and the vocals came in, I was like, uh, whoa, her head exploded. Yeah. But this time around, again, knowing what was going to happen, and it gets to that part and the soundtrack comes in, I was just like, God, fuck this soundtrack. Yeah. Fuck this. Yeah. Don't sing at me, dude. Don't. That's just not the time. It is just, it, it, it is the exact moment when the only male involved is there to witness it yeah and be driven insane by what he witnessed yeah and then another male voice comes in and it yeah it's it's 
bath. I don't want to beat that dead horse. Well, which kind of goes into, uh, again, some of the other male themes towards the end of the movie that just like completely fucking missed the point. We'll, we'll talk about the epilogue later well, and stuff. Uh, yeah, I got some some stuff about the epilogue that maybe will make it more make more sense. But, but I will say cool <clears throat> stuff about the soundtrack. All the instrumental stuff is fucking sick. Yeah. All the instrumental parts are great. They and, are. And I love, too, that... You know, again, going back to the dance themes and stuff like this, they didn't go with Swan Lake or Romeo and Juliet or whatever, like really well-known typical ballet or or dance soundtracks that you've heard. Uh, It's interesting, too, to notice that the the musical performances and stuff that are done during Volk are in very odd time signature stuff. Oh, yeah, that stuff is all strange. Yeah. I mean, it's all supposed to be. It's all like... She she says that that they want to break the nose of every beautiful thing. Yeah, like they're trying to subvert everything with right. their movement and the music and yeah, very much so. So I found it interesting that for the dance performance, he deliberately wrote music in some of the most undanceable time <laughs> that there is. Like anything yeah. that's in an over eight time signature is just like yeah. that's not a typical well, and, dance form. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, there it, it's more geometric yeah it is it's more it angular is. right yeah, yeah it's like because it, you know music is math mm. you're aware of this right i've heard about it yeah music, i've heard about it music is one math. two three four exactly but it is that more <laughs> basic math that can get complicated with rhythms and things sure but the this uh by having you know the movement in space along with the music it gets geometric and mm-hmm. gets real weird yeah yeah which works very well considering that the the kind of dance that they're portraying in this is not no it's it's expressionist it's yeah not, it's not about rhythms as well i mean there are rhythms to it but it's yeah. it's less about the rhythms and more about uh expression through body movement right yeah and you know one of the things that i caught about it this time around that i thought was really interesting is that uh, you know again to bring it back to the original or really anything about ballet that you've ever seen where it's all about this this lightness and this femininity and this kind of lighter than air yeah pirouettes and so on in this movie well even like Susie's audition for example is done without music yeah because it shows you that if you strip away the music, these people are pounding their bodies against the mm-hmm. ground. It's like the sound of like flesh slapping a hardwood floor yeah. is heard a million times well, in this movie. Every time she goes to dance, she takes off her her shoes. Yeah. Like she has she wants to feel the floor. She right. doesn't She's less of a traditional dancer. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing, she has no formal training. She is going off of impulse. Right. Like, that's how she works. And and because, you know, her impulse is driven by the fact that she is one of these three mothers that have existed uh, since before God and the devil themselves. Yeah. Like, uh, she's very... She writhes a lot. Mm -hmm. She hits the ground a bunch. Right. There's a lot more... uh, groundwork than you would expect to see and it's i mean it, it's just raw yeah. a lot of every every bit of what she does is very raw oh yeah and seems improvised but is very much 
planned. Right. Like every bit of it is planned, but it seems so bestial. Well, and it shows you too uh, an element of dance, especially ballet, that you don't really see portrayed very much, which is it's absolutely punishing on your body. Yeah. You there are no lifetime ballet dancers. No, like no, what's the oldest fucks ballet up dancer? Your toes, your knees, seen? every everything, your your arches. Yeah, exactly. Ankles, right? Hips. It's, e- even traditional ballet, which is supposed to look so beautiful and effeminate and uh, lightweight and stuff, it's actually grueling as shit. Oh yeah. A ba- ballerina's toes. Ooh. Bless y'all's hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Bless y'all's hearts. Oh, man. Bless them. Bless them. Bless your toes. They're all fucked up. Bless your toes. Bless your toes. <laughs> but I like that this movie shows that aspect of it, that it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. All, all this pretty effeminate. There's no twerking in this movie. There is none. Whatsoever. Little to none. Little to none. Little to none. <laughs> you know, some of the writhing on the ground might be construed as twerking. Could but, be. Could yeah. be. Early impressionist twerk, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a that's a cool way they portray the the dance stuff in this. Again, couldn't be more different than the original. Yeah, um, one of the major differences between this and the original is, as I said, is it's uh, it exists in a history, and mm-hmm. that history is one that you know a lot of us don't know well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about nineteen seventies. Germany, and so I, I did some research. I'm glad you did. I didn't have time to, so I'm, I'm interested yeah. to, to to learn about this. I, I want. I needed to understand what was going on here, and so what's what is going on in the background here is the RAF. Uh, RAF. Yeah, the RAF, Red Army Faction. Okay. Um, they uh were basically began with student protests okay. regarding the fact that uh, after World War II, the denazification of Germany failed. Mm, uh, mm. Tons of people in uh, positions of political and economic power were former Nazi officers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and, you're just saying some people that were in power stayed in power. Yeah. Um, and in 1956, they made the Communist Party illegal. So are you telling me that elections and regime changes don't just suddenly change everything overnight? Yeah. Shit. It's crazy. Fuck. Yeah, it's almost like when we do get rid of Trump, we'll still be fixing all the problems yeah. for the next 20 years. And his fans. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Anyway, yeah, so... <laughs> um, so the RAF had... Um, basically started these student protesters who wanted um they wanted more more actual denazification they wanted um some economic freedoms i mean uh what happens here in this is they they've kidnapped this major um what would you call him um uh, he worked for the were our uh, German Employers Association or something, okay. which are United Employers Association, which is basically uh, the corporate answer to unions. Okay, where a bunch of people who employ people get together and say, "Well, we're not going to employ people if they won't accept this low amount of money." 
Ooh, so it's uh, like a union for the people on top of the food chain. Yes. That seems like that could be very brutal. That's exactly what Sarah is talking about when she comes to her apartment the first time and she says, you don't know what's happening, do you? Like, she's she explains this, but, like, she she realizes, like, that just, like, is still foreign. Like, yeah. uh, she, as an American, doesn't understand why this is a problem that this person who's in charge of this is also a former Nazi SS officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Nazis were notoriously not good about unionized work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, though there are a million Trump supporters out there claiming they were national socialists. Jesus that was Christ. just a name. Yeah. They weren't socialists in no. any sense of the word. No, they no, were no. corporatists. Right. They were following corporate overlords yeah uh, corporate overlords love wars and if they involve the whole world (laughs) all the better yeah wow wow i mean not to get too deep in the weeds but world war ii made a lot of money for ibm and uh, a lot of other companies you would think of as maybe not being war profiteers yeah but they were they were making tons of money off of hitler yeah Dang. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, the RAF had uh, uh, kidnapped some people. They had taken hostages on a plane, Lufthansa flight, something, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and were uh, demanding the release of these three prisoners who had been involved in kidnapping that guy. Okay. Um, kidnapping the worker. Yeah, the, the guy. Yeah, em- yeah. Uh, employer's union guy. Top of the food chain fellow. Uh-huh. And uh, what ends up happening is that... Uh, the terrorists uh, they shot the pilot and threw him out of the plane and they Oof. they covered all the people in alcohol and they were going to set him on fire and they ended up all getting killed and then three oh. of the five people in prison ended up killed supposedly a suicide pact though um, the conservative groups owned the media at the time so probably not. If, you, if you go to read about this raf stuff like it's hard to find something that sounds neutral it's all just basically like oh they were terrorists and they were all wrong and, and whatnot but this movie i think makes pretty clear that maybe not yeah they probably weren't wrong uh-huh. um interesting yeah that's that's not exactly in the old homeschool textbook steve you know it's not in the regular you know what, if you, <laughs> <laughs> you know what you missed at uh at regular school was being told that uh, carrots help with your night vision. Right. Even though that's not true. Wait, what? Or that, you know, George Washington chopped down a cherry tree. He like, did. Like, with that's what teeth. you need to teach kids instead of the fact that George Washington didn't want to be a king and uh, <laughs> that it was important to him that presidential power be in check. Like, those are the things you'd think you'd teach history, but right, no, right. just like he couldn't tell a lie. Oh, got it. What the fuck? <laughs> and he had wooden teeth. Important. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, this is all important stuff that we all should have learned. But yeah, it, Germany was going through a rough time at the time. So there's this chaos going on that is about abuse of power. Okay. And about um, the ability of a generation to grow. Okay. Like, all right. can a generation... Like, we're seeing it here in America right now baby boomers have proven that it, it they won't grow mm-hmm. they're not going to change right they're not going to become better right they want the worst for the future seems that way 
Like they Definitely think that they want the best by, you know, whatever stupid logic they have. Right. But we know their logic just doesn't work. No. Um, it was the same situation here. Mm. Is that the logic of the Nazis that used to run the country should still be running the country. That doesn't work. No. Um, also, real big in here that Luca Guadagnino really hit on. I don't know if they intended to. Um, is two things that we need to relearn here in America. Bad things, Nazis, and walls. <laughs> Those are two very present themes throughout the story, yeah. right? You mm-hmm. see the Berlin Wall yeah. about a million times in this yeah. movie. It is located right outside he, of the he doors He goes of the through the border several times, Dr. Yeah, like this, this movie is very highly political in a way that the original is not in any way political. No, no, there's not nothing to it. Yeah. It definitely does paint a, a picture that I think is interesting because, well, we, we've talked about it before where it's like whatever time period you're living in right now seems insignificant or whatever. Yeah. But then whenever you go back and you study the, the history books or you watch movies that are about that time period or things that happened in that period, you realize how monumental and important that they were. Right. And I think that's pretty interesting to see with a movie that was made in 19... When was the original made? 77? 78? Okay, 77. 77, yeah. Versus a movie that was made in 2018, about 1977. Yeah. And the things that were going on. Like, back then when that stuff was going on, maybe it was just like, I don't know, man, whatever, crazy fucking terrorists are doing some stuff. I don't know. Yeah. But nowadays we look back and we're like, oh, man. That's some crazy that was important. Yeah, important yeah. shit going on. I think that that's kind of an interesting thing to see that you only get with that, you know, several decades of time to reflect back on that time period. Yeah, I think so, this for movie. sure. Now, though, I mean, I think a lot of uh a lot of our hindsight that matters the most yeah. is when we're wrong. Sure. Like when we look back on things and realize how we didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. Because when you look back on things and you did have it right, like there's nothing nothing remarkable about it. Yeah. Like, yep, had it right. Yeah. Like in 20 years, when somebody starts talking about the Charlottesville rally, you'd be like, yeah, those people were fucking assholes. And then somebody standing near you might go, Wait a second. They were, weren't they? <laughs> Wait a second. Hang on. Both sides didn't have good people. Yeah. One side Just had one only side. bad people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. No kidding, man. I'd say maybe in like 30 years, we get like an opera remake that takes place. At, <laughs> uh, you know. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So all that interesting historical stuff that was absent from the original and put into this movie... Yeah. Is there for... Uh, yeah, it, it really why? just... Well, okay. So here's the thing. Okay, this... Man, I have so many things. I, I got I want to know, because uh, I want to understand, right. man. Because I here's really the thing I keep struggle with thinking this. of that I want to bring up. Yeah. And that is uh, geometrical patterns that are very important in this movie. Okay, right. Uh, There there definitely are quite a few. Yeah, and uh, when you look, I paused and and read every single page of uh, Patricia's diary that I could. There are a number of geometric 
patterns. Yeah, I noticed throughout. I noticed that like the web of names and even like there's some ones where it's like bodies that are forming certain yeah. shapes mm-hmm. and stuff. I was um, interested in that. I just thought she liked Tool a lot. <laughs> she does. She's a big fan of Open Tool. Open your third eye. <laughs> um so one of them is uh Two pentagrams laid over each other, pointing in opposite directions. I would call that a tentagram. That <laughs> tentagram. So five this, plus five. So this tentagram. Uh, <laughs> so this represents normally in in traditional ritual magic, look at Aleister out. Crowley type of stuff. This magic norm- with the K. Yeah, with the K. Got it. This usually represents a union of opposites. Okay. Where two opposing forces uh, are necessary for each other to exist. Okay. Um, Again, and, opposite day. Yeah. Um, and so what we're seeing in the real world is these two, this union of opposites, which is the RAF, this uh, communist organization, mm-hmm. and then the status quo, which is... a essentially at its heart nazi organization mm-hmm. that has just survived past world war ii within the coven we have two factions okay. we have the people who are following madame marcus and the people who are following madame blanc and this is kind of represented by the vote that we have very very early yeah. in the movie where they're voting uh, for a new leader right of the coven exactly um and so that represents that same balance and in in both cases, that balance is is being uh, shifted. Mm-hmm. Things are changing. Um, the unity is starting to to fall apart. Right. Um, and in the situation in the real world, what happens is the RAF gets wiped out, and the Nazi regime gets to basically continue uh, controlling things. Mm-hmm. What happens in the coven, though, is that Mother Suspiriorum, Susie, she destroys the dynamic. Mm-hmm. She's a savior in this situation. She comes along as a savior and shows that that dynamic doesn't work. That it's not about the balance of two opposing ideas. That it's about this one all-knowing Mm, uh, uh, unification unification yeah this one all-knowing ideal that brings everything together and eliminates the need for two sides mm. and uh, it's not this versus that it's us right yeah um though that can be seen in a second a second way um which is a dictator <laughs> <laughs> it very well could yeah. be that so it's either yeah. a unification uh through uh each person uh being valued which is what i i think that we get from mother superior and what we see through Susie is that she shows compassion like yeah she her uh personification of death is exploding the heads of all the elena marcos people mm-hmm. uh but she's also uh compassionate towards patricia and sarah and and allows them to die painless deaths she uh, is compassionate towards all the other dancers who are just a part of this without being a part of the witchery. And to Dr. Klimmerer. Yeah. Yeah. She al- yeah, she uh, not only saves him, but allows him to be absolved of his uh, feelings of guilt. Right. Which is what 
uh, we'll talk about why I think that the uh, epilogue does kind of work. Um, hmm. But so this movie is really about uh, not accepting the idea of two counteracting forces being a balance. That's not a balance. Okay, I see. When you have two counteracting forces, what you have is a war. What you have mm. is a struggle. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're all working toward one goal... That's balance. That's balance. And yeah. you know, that's interesting when you also play into, uh, you know, balance obviously being such a essential uh, skill in dance, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yes. Like, that's part of stuff... Part like, of the narrative, yeah. I wish I could get into every bit of this, because, like, Patricia's... Uh, diary she like she has writings that are about like dance itself and about space and movement and time and like there's so much going on in there that like she's obviously learning from Madame Blanc and uh, learning from dancing but also probably getting from Helena Marcos trying to get into her head like she does with um, uh, Susie mm-hmm uh, so she's getting these flashes, these images, and she's getting all this stuff. And you look in her diary, and it's chaotic. But there's like a lot of things that run through uh, that she seems to be focusing on balance, uh, especially with the geometric figures and things, mm-hmm. and, and, and dealing with dance. Balance is one of the biggest issues here. So this movie, in the end, is about discovering some sort of balance discovering some sort of way of of counteracting or uh, destroying counteracting forces well that's interesting too when you look at those aspects of something that we were talking about before we started recording which is even the difference between the two mothers that are up for election you know at that at the head of the cover right. there of madame blanc versus uh helena marcos yeah. whereas helena marcos is this disgusting mutant yeah she's got like hands on her upper arms and so like there's she's a like, hand just hanging off right here yeah Did you notice that it's yeah, so it's weird really gross yeah it's really gross she's and made up of parts yeah and yeah. she's riddled they, they describe her as being like riddled with disease on top of disease yeah. and she is obviously fleeing from death trying to prolong her own life right. she has a i would say a sense of self-importance to be like these these you know young dancers need to come to the school and die so that I can take their host so I can continue my work. Yeah, there's a certain and a lot of them there. do because like you can yeah. t- you can tell that like not only the scene where we see in the basement where Sarah finds Patricia yeah yeah and she's all like yeah. rotting and stuff. Uh, th- you see several other girls in the background. Like there's mm-hmm. the one girl with her she's feet like cut off. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's like another girl like doing. Something that looked kind of like twerking when you can see. <laughs> really, I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, when you can see Helena Marcos for just a brief second, like they, there are a lot. And then like, oh, there's, I know, I know what you're talking about. Then there's yeah. like a painting of Helena Marcos and Madame Blanc, Blanc yeah. and it looks like it's made out of skin and hair, hair. and blood. Yeah, it's really so gross like, looking. Yeah, and then they're all wearing those hair shirts at the end yeah. that come from the hair of the different girls who were going to be. Helena Marcos's new body. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's pretty yeah. fucking freaky. Yeah. It's freaky. Whereas in contrast, you have Madame Madame Blanc. Yeah, she's just this supportive dancer. Like 
Yeah. Really empathic. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, she's a telepath. She can read minds. They all can transmit talk telepathically. And stuff. But yeah, she does that. She can transmit dreams and like she can calm people. She like does that several times. Oh, she yeah. just sort of calms people. Yeah, she puts her hand like down the back of uh, Susie's like leotard. Yeah. yeah. And just like chills her out and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like she is very much in contrast to to Marcos. Like those yeah, two characters. Helena Marcos be... is struggling for power, and and she just has it basically, yeah. and doesn't want it. She doesn't want to be in charge really, as much as she just doesn't want Helena Marcos to keep taking her dancers and and killing them. Yeah. Well, and that that contrast is even more interesting. Well, like you said, you have the the weird. Um, um, gross like squid Billy meets Jamba the Hutt appearance of Marcos. She does. He looks like Granny from Squid Billy yeah. and Jamba the Hutt. Yeah. yeah. Versus uh, Madame Blanc and you know she just as an actress in, in, in real life she has such an interesting featureless androgynous she is, yeah. look about her. She like the way that she portrays this character is she's she's great i mean we know tilda nobody's learning that tilda swinton is great by me saying tilda swinton is great right yeah she's fucking amazing she's amazing in this movie she like uh, when i tried to write down the way that she comes off i wrote effortless Mm -hmm. but practiced right which is those are Con- those things go against each other. Like mm-hmm. an eff- somebody coming off as effortless isn't practiced. Like they don't think about it; they just are. But like that's the thing is that she seems so effortless. But then like even the way she smokes a cigarette, like it's so, it's like a, it's a dance. Like everything she does is like a dance. Every movement yeah, she makes is like a determined movement. Mm-hmm. But she does it so effortlessly. Yeah, like, and you never even really see her like dance, dance. But she no, has a, yeah. a really fascinating command of her own body. Yeah, and a lightness and weightlessness uh-huh. about her. You described her as being like somewhat of a of a white witch. She is. She is a white witch. And this I kind of gathered from reading stuff about the three mothers in the Argento films. Is that Helena Marcos at one point went up against a white witch who was trying to take her out of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that they were trying to do that with this. It, um, it says in Patricia's uh, diary that she had a dream, another dream about, um, I wrote it down, uh, dreamt of Madame Blanc again. She was a white haired witch and I was her servant. Oh shit, really? Uh-huh. And she does white witch stuff, healing, calming, like giving um, uh, Susie the ability to to more accurately dance and to jump higher and stuff. She's like. a paladin class. She's a paladin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. She. I mean, she's got buffs and she's got she's got heels. Yeah, like, exactly right. You pointed that out. I was like, oh shit, she's like the the Aries character yeah. here. She, yeah, she's the white witch in this, and Helena Marcos is 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 the dark sorceress who is uh, high offensive spells. She takes, yeah, she's got high offensive spells. They, she she basically heals by taking. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 She's kind of a tank in that way. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Classic <laughs> RPG shit happening in this movie. I is seriously if them if. Okay, I know I'm probably never going to get my Harry Potter 
MMORPG. Mm-hmm, yeah. But why not Suspiria? Why not you? <laughs> Can you okay. imagine that? And I'm game? on board. Welcome to welcome to the dance hall. Yeah. There are things that are going on. You'll figure it out. Da, da, da. But it also has like DDR sequences in it. Like oh, DDR yeah, you mini dance, games. Obviously. <laughs> I'm so very on board with this game. Yeah, that would be fun. The soundtrack by video game. Oh, of course. Yeah, obviously. Way more danceable than the Tom York soundtrack. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> you know, that kind of duality and stuff that you're talking about is is interesting. And especially when when you look at the the, the political forces yeah. of the RAF and the and the old German guard uh-huh. going up against the, the the waging power struggle that we mm-hmm. see within the school. That that does make it make a little bit more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Because the first time through I was like, is all this Bader Meinhof stuff? really that fucking important <laughs> and all this you know ref stuff i'm just like why the fuck like did I you think- want to tell a story about a ballet school full of witches or did you want to tell a story about germany like right. those two things i don't really see is like you can do both why can't we do both like i don't really see that very much but when you look at it in terms of the duality like you're talking about yeah uh, that is that is that is definitely interesting yeah I think that maybe you still could have got away with not putting any of the Bader Meinhof stuff in there. Well, then what would it be? It would just be a, yeah. a claustrophobic movie. Yeah. Like the original. Exactly. Man, the original's not that good. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> like, it's the original, like, reading that there is going to be a remake, the only thing you can think of is it's going to be like the original. Because the original didn't have enough of a story for you to do something different with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, I, I think they had to add in a political or some sort of context to, to take it out of the dance hall to give it more of a feel of depth. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, they could have picked any other political struggle. Like, we're talking about European... Uh, director here though so for him maybe he thought this is more well known yeah yeah like but americans but we don't americans like, we oh, don't oh, yeah. what history what's the deal with history what, what do you mean that all the people involved in the 9-11 hijackings were saudi arabian hey i'm walking here i'm walking here i'm in america <laughs> you know let's talk a little bit more about tilda swinton too because she's not just madame blanc she's not in fact, she's also Helena Marcos. She's also Helena Marcos. Which is uh, that duality again. Right. Yeah. Um, but then she plays a third character. That she does. She plays Klimperer, the doctor. Yeah. And I I, I think we all, th- when you and I and Kate saw it uh, at the theater, we all three kind of were like, pretty sure that's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Klimperer comes across immediately as... Uh, having feminine features and voice, his voice especially yeah i remember even whenever i saw the first preview hmm. and it, it showed him like you know reading the notes and stuff like that about the three mothers i was like that sounds like an old woman like <laughs> it doesn't sound like an old man talking right and whenever we got into the movie i was like yeah that definitely does not sound like an old yeah. man and then as you get into it and there's certain scenes like here's one thing man like 
the kind of special effects makeup that we can do now to make young people look old, like a right. bad grandpa or whatever. Uh huh. It's pretty fucking amazing. It is. It's incredible. It really is. Because, I mean, because I sort of realized that this is a, a woman, I started trying to figure out, like, well, why would they do that? Why would they have, like, I, I remember expecting it to be revealed that, like, the reason why Anka, his wife, was separated from yeah. him was because they were actually lesbian. Yes. I, I kept waiting on yeah. that as well. I but think that would have been really... That really would have been an interesting twist that would have been maybe had some excuse as to why you have a woman playing this man. Yeah, exactly. I'm not really positive why. Like, I get why you have her play Helena Marcos and Madame Blanc. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. You're setting them up as, as polar opposites, but also saying that they, at their core, are very similar. Yeah. Um, this but then, seems pretty superfluous. Yeah, why do that? I don't know. Yeah. Because, like, as great as the makeup is, and this is one of those flaws where they just, they, they just should have set the scene somewhere else, one thing that you can't do very well at all when you're dealing with that much facial prosthetic uh-huh. is show people eating food. There's something about the yeah. way that these prosthetics wrap around the lips. That I hated never, that. It never yeah. moves right. And so I, whenever she's she in She also that, makes some, a lot of loud mouth noises. It's like in a that tick. Scene yeah. Because I... Because she can't like eat like, probably normal because of the the prosthetic, so but, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like I'm moving, I'm eating without moving my lips, yeah, which is very very difficult. <laughs> so like that scene where they're in the cafe and they're talking stuff, it's just like that to me was just ultra like I can't even suspend disbelief that this is an actual yeah. old man. So yeah, I wonder why they did that. Like I, I I've tried to find some meaning in 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 it, like. He does serve as the witness to this ritual. Yeah. But but why? Why? Yeah. Like I I, I don't know, man. This it's one of those things where I'll say it's it's neat and I think that it strengthens the the all female resolve of the cast uh, because other than other than Klimperer, like there are no males in this movie like Yeah, there's at the two all. policemen who really are non-existent uh, yeah like yeah. The, they're in one scene where they talk to him um and basically just say we didn't see anything because when they go there they're bewitched and they're just standing there not even recognizing what's happening to them yeah and they're so, they're emasculated and their their penises are made fun of yeah which is like a nightmare for a man, right? Oh my god! Like three women just standing around laughing at your penis. Yeah. that's what they were doing, holding pointy hooks. Yeah, just cackling at Hard his pass. penis. Hard pass. Ooh, not interested. Yeah. So having you ladies want to have any other type of fun, we can. Let's just not <laughs> play the laugh at my dick game. Yeah, no hook play, please. Please, none of that. <laughs> but you know, having having Tilda Swinton play the role of of, of old Doctor K. Yeah. It it's neat in that classic film way of yeah you know uh, girls played Peter Pan for so long and stuff like that like that's, right her playing yeah that's that's very interesting I think um, God, dude does it make it better well here's the okay so um a lot of this go deals with psychoanalysis okay and I I think maybe there's something there because Klimper is the he's a psych, psychoanalyst. Uh, who's working to help Patricia. Um, 
but a lot of things that happen in the movie bring up other psychoanalytical perspectives. Like, My God, Niles. Yep, that's the <laughs> one. Um, uh, for instance, he writes down the word uh, simulacrum. Simulacrum. He writes down the word simulacrum. I think that's like a that's a type of instant baby formula. I that's believe it. that's what it's for. Simulac. It's- <laughs> he was making a grocery list. Hey. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, just bring me some of that simulacrum, Mom. Um, <laughs> no, simulacrum, he writes it down whenever he's like analyzing her when she's talking and she's sort of manic and moving around the room. He just Patricia. writes down the word simulacrum. Yeah. And when I saw it immediately, I was like, "Why did he write that down?" Like, five dollar word right there. It is. I mean, it's a five. It's a. It's a word like studying literary theory. Um, I, I came across it a lot. Um, and but to me, immediately it was like, "Okay, why? What does it mean in this instance?" So I did little research. I don't know what it means at all. Um, I was homeschooled. So basically, from like. Uh, okay, so you know, the, do you know the allegory of the cave? Plato's allegory of the cave. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have you have a man. Basically, yeah, if you were to put a person in a cave and have them facing toward a cave wall and have have light coming in from behind them, you basically tie them to a chair so they can only look forward. Light coming in behind them, and you allow uh, shadows to pass in front of the light. They the person will begin to believe that the shadow world that they see is reality. Right. Right. Uh, that's a simulacrum. That's a distorted truth. Which deals with our limited ability to perceive reality only exactly. by how many dimensions we can see it in. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Which is also interesting when you consider the the multidimensionality of some of those sketches and stuff in the notebook. Right. Yes. So he's in one sense he's writing down that she is expressing a truth about what is happening to her mm. but it's distorted okay that she's saying it in terms of witches and spells but in reality oh, okay it's yeah. just these these women have done something to maybe mess with this fragile girl and and she is only able to experience it in the terms of witches and spells. Well, and, and that's always been kind of the, the classical historical perspective, right? Where it's yeah. like, oh my God, this woman is, is, is powerful and skilled. Right. Probably a witch. Probably <laughs> a witch. Yeah. Exactly. She brewed beer, which made me intoxicated. <laughs> like and it was witch. great, so probably a witch. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, so I was enjoying my life. Probably, probably a, a bad witch. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, the church. There's another way, though, that... Uh, People like Baudrillard and, and Deleuze have looked at it as... Oh, oh, okay. French people I've never heard of. All right. right. Got well, it. These, are, these are people who were active around the time, too. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about Jacques Lacan, who's mentioned specifically in this movie. Um, but these are all people who who worked in these areas. And, and Deleuze and, and Baudrillard, they, they looked at the simulacrum not just as a distorted truth but as a hyper reality mm. like it, it it is a reality but it's um it's just taken to extreme so her reality is that these things are happening but she expresses it again as a distorted truth mm. so when we talk about what's going on with this uh with her um 
with Tilda Swinton playing the psychiatrist. She is in herself playing a distorted truth. Like she okay. is, she, this is a hyper reality where, um, at, at the core, she is this feminine energy, but ex- in her exterior, she is masculine in appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, so the simulacrum that he's noticing with Patricia's distorted view that he, he believes is a distorted view. Well, I mean, he gets chided later for that by the witches as they're, uh, taking him to witness the witch of Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Uh, what he's, what he's recognizing in Patricia, this, uh, you know, lie. She has to tell herself for the world to make sense. Uh, she, he's also embodying Mm. he is a lie okay like we know it's a woman i don't even think that i don't think that we're supposed to believe that it's a man Mm. we see it as a woman in makeup as a man uh like i think that the psychiatrist is supposed to be this hard to grasp concept where he's kind of i don't know Embodying the dualities of male yeah, and he's female. embodying all these dualities, yeah. but um, he's old and young at the same time. Yeah, he's yeah. all these things. Like he's he's all these things at once, and he sort of serves as a a cipher for everyone else. Like he he is our in our way into Patricia. Mm-hmm. He's our way into each of these characters he's the exposition machine yeah for sure he's the one that's watching the movie with us trying to unravel the yeah. things going on inside of it but again that that's I, th- i'm torturing myself trying to make yeah. all that make sense because again i'm not positive that that matters like that's the thing and, and you know it, it's at the end of the day the thing i just keep asking myself it's like i can sit here and convince myself that everything you just said is exactly why they did it sure and then at the end of the day, there's still just that simple part of my brain that goes, but did it make the movie better? Right. You know what I mean? And I don't know that it did. It, I, I don't know that it added I don't know much that it meaning. I don't know that it, it did. But That's one of those things, dude, that I'm always going over with people whenever we're talking about like songwriting and stuff like that. Right. It's like, yeah, you can have that fourth verse in there. You can go back to the chorus again. Uh-huh. That's neat. Does it make the song better? You know, right. like there's a lot of those things where, yeah, you could just nip it out and the song wouldn't be any worse. Yeah, you're not going to lose anything. No, exactly. And that's just kind of what I kept thinking about with this movie where I'm like, if they just had an old man play that, would it be not as good? Because to me, I'm just like, it would keep me from going, she's a man, baby. Because <laughs> it was it was distracting to me. To yeah, me, I just thought that it was, it was one of those choices that was just very yeah. distracting, especially considering that it's in a movie where everything else visually is so compelling and so interesting and so well done. Right. Uh, partially due to their, their devotion to practical effects. Right. I just don't know that having a, uh, an actress play an old man made the movie better. And it I don't not think paying it did. off. Like well, and, if it had paid off by, as we said before, yeah. we find out that it is a, like oh, actually a woman. Yeah. yeah. That, that Dr. Klimper is actually a woman. I know. Like, then it would have been like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I was noticing this, but 
I didn't I wasn't for for sure on it. And now yeah. that you say it's like, yeah, I get oh right, all those things that have happened up to this point to make it clear that that's still the Swinton. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, all those things weren't supposed to be making it clear it was still the Swinton. And they tried to pretend like that old man was an actual actor. Like they put out his his name yeah. is yeah, in Luke's the credits Ebrador and or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Like what is it? What? Yeah. I'm still not sure what it was all for. And then it would have been interesting with that reveal that we're talking about that, you know, it's like, oh, it turns out the doctor was, was a woman after all, living as a man <laughs> to disguise her, her lesbian relationship because right. that would have gotten you killed in Nazi Germany. Sure. I think that would have added a, a, a depth to the to the love story element there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it, it would have even been interesting to see these witches, you know, go after him and uh, attack him and try to drag him into the ceremony and stuff when it turns out, you know, the doctor is one of their own as a woman. Like, that would have been interesting to me to see, too, that they misunderstood, you know? Yeah, those could that would have been. Cool, been. Those could have been cool points. Yeah. But instead, it was just, like, distracting mm-hmm. the whole movie to me. I didn't like that. Yeah. And don't be wrong. I do she does, like She his... does an awesome job. Tilda yeah. Swinton's amazing. Yeah. She's fucking amazing. And I do like that story and the, the um, you know, it's a real sweet, uh, bittersweet story. Yeah, very much. Of people driven apart by the 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 baddies in that that are out in this uh, separate story going on with the RAF. Right. Like the the denazification of Germany that that failed. Like it, it didn't just fail the youth of Germany. It failed him. Right. As a Holocaust yeah, yeah. survivor. Like, yeah. he didn't get to see justice. And that's actually something that he's saying there in the end. Like, he's innocent. Like, of all the people in Berlin they could have picked. Right. Why pick him? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and she said, uh, uh, Susie, Madame Suspir- Suspiriorum, says that, basically. That, like, y- you know, what was it um, about? Uh, she says, like, we need shame and guilt, mm-hmm. just not yours. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's still not as clear why it's important because I think you're distracted a lot of the time by the fact that you're wondering why Tilda Swinton's playing this character. Why didn't they at least pitch shift the vocal a little bit? Yeah, it would like have been. if if they they mm. could have done some very light retuning. Yeah. of her voice to bring it down not even like an octave but it's like bring right. the pitch down a little bit add a little distortion yeah. or something to it because it just sounded like a woman trying to sound like an old man to me yeah I mean as amazing of an actress as she is and amazing as the makeup is like you can only change your voice so much Ben we got a, another beer over here I think we ought to get ourselves full yeah, <laughs> I got I got so many dumb little things about this movie um but the things that I keep going back to are, I mean, it's obviously meant to be like an academic sort of horror movie. I think so too. Like it's supposed to be written about. Yeah. Not, uh, not necessarily just to entertain. Not a popcorn flip. Yeah. All right, Steve, what kind of burr is this that we just cracked open here? This is from Old Burial Brewing in Ashville. This is one of my little souvenirs that I brought back. This Gang is of Blades Gang Double IPA. Of Dude, all of Burial's 
names for their beers and their art and stuff uh, like that is just so fucking metal. Like, yeah, I mean, Gang of Blades, like, I don't even know. Is it? Is that just basically, you remember the knife fight scene in the bad video? Yeah. I just wanted to bring up Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've already, since we've been talking about, you know, better ass and stuff a bunch this episode already, might as well. Okay, just real quick, this is off topic. (laughs) Let's go there. But seriously, we all knew about Michael Jackson and R. Kelly. Why did this suddenly happen where people are like, did you hear about Michael Jackson and R. Kelly? Did you hear about it 15 years ago when, when we it was all happening? heard about it? Yeah. And everybody was just like, I don't know. I mean, dude, the, the whole the whole Michael Jackson thing, like, I've not watched Finding Neverland. Yeah. I honestly don't really plan on it. I'm not on, going to. No, I don't really have Why? much plan I'm, on it. I'm not going to learn anything. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, do I know the whole story? No, absolutely not. I don't need to. But do I also think oh. that we all saw some really crazy pants behavior from Michael Jackson in his day. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that we did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that yeah. we all saw that. Unfortunately, like we're, you know, we, we've gotten some intel from some people who've said like, Michael Jackson never tried to fuck me. And it's like, yeah, he probably had a lot of kids over. He didn't try to fuck because yeah. he knew that if he fucked them, he'd get caught. Yeah. Like Macaulay Culkin, for instance. Right. Like, because he's famous. Right, yeah. Or Corey Feldman, who also said that he never tried to do anything. Yeah. Because he's famous. Yeah. But then some kid who has a poor family. has no chance that, of fighting back. Right. You probably groom that kid. Exactly. Pretty easily. Mm-hmm. It's fucked up and dork. Yeah. This beer is delicious and light. Yes, it is, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking good. Dude, Burial does not fuck around. That, like, it immediately, um, I thought, tasted kind of like, what is the, that Lagunitas Super... Super Cluster. Super Cluster. Has a little bit of that. Has have, a little bit of that, the but then it's got there. more, more citrus to it. It does. And, like, a little That's bit... That's good stuff. A little bit less, a little bit less hop, a little bit more funk. Yeah. That's something that I love about a lot of burial stuff is, like... The funk. The funk, dude. Yeah. They know just the right way to balance juice and hop and funk in the stuff that they do, especially their IPAs and double IPAs and stuff. But, dude, everything that we had while we were down there, like I said, we went twice, you know, in two days. Yeah. Everything I had was, was awesome. I really wish that place would distribute to to Tennessee. They distribute a couple other states. Yeah. But not to Tennessee yet. But you know what? We Did got, we do something wrong? Well... I hope that we're doing some right stuff. Hope we're doing the right stuff, as they say, because we're even seeing now some Asheville breweries like Highwire. Yeah, Highwire's got a new place. They're yeah. coming to Knoxville too. Uh-huh. So, hopefully, that means that more Asheville establishments will be opened up to their. They're to their also little cousin opening here in South to, Knoxville a uh, like a sort of permanent food truck space. Yeah. Oh yeah, the food truck park. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna have you know a bunch of food trucks and beer. Yeah. Like you can actually get alcohol while you walk around to food trucks and try stuff. And I'm on board. That's awesome. This beer is fucking. Yeah, fantastic. this is great. <laughs> I love it. This is one of my favorite favorite um, IPAs we've had in a long time. There's so many other little things about Bring them on. Bring the them on. psychoanalysis and stuff that I could talk about, but I I feel like I don't want to get too far in the weeds there because I just like just as I was saying like I don't think no matter how much I got into the psychoanalysis part of it 
other than the idea of Freud's and and Jung's and uh, just psychoanalysis basically at its heart that um, we're all all men have something of the feminine in them sure um, and you know women have something of the masculine but like psychoanalysis especially Freudian psychoanalysis was very focused on men mm-hmm. um, and how deep and interesting our uh, penises are into, yeah yeah <laughs> And how people just are envious of them, and that's why they <laughs> act the way they do. Um, like, yeah, I, so the idea that there's some femininity to men, maybe that's that's what they they're going for. Maybe they're specifically adding this femininity to this character because he is sympathetic, and he he's supposed to come across as one of the good guys, basically, mm-hmm. or one of the not one of the good guys because they do like really get at him for not believing Patricia. Yeah. Like, which is interesting. Oh, like, yeah, they, they kind of run all over his ass for that. Yeah. They're just like, they're the ones who hurt Patricia, but they're also like, fuck you for not believing her. Like we really were fucking with her. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, I, I mean, maybe that's it maybe that's it but again that's just not interesting enough so I, I don't want to get let into me, Lacanian psychoanalysis and all that shit but let me ask you this why and what was the intent of bringing him in to witness this okay crazy well, that ritual? I get that I get that uh, a lot of all that ritual stuff is actually like there there's all basis in real witchcraft stuff from the past. The idea that you would need an innocent witness as part of the the ritual, this black Sabbath, the the thing of the Sabbath, uh, the black witch's Sabbath is supposed to be in opposition to the Eucharist. Yeah. Uh, so, in opposition to the actual Sabbath. So you're. It's like the. Do you remember the Saturday Night Live skit with Will Forte and Jason Sudeikis, John Bovey? Where they basically, they would sing Bon Jovi songs, but just the opposite. <laughs> no, oh, but okay. I love it already. All right, well, check that out. But basically, like... Opposite day. Yeah. Suspiria, or as it could be known, opposite day. It's basically opposite day is my point. Yeah. But to me, it's just like, why bring this guy in and have him witness this crazy fucking witchcraft and murder and all this stuff? Because well, you, you need an innocent witness. You need someone yeah, who... Yeah, but then he's found out everything and could report you for nobody this would believe him or would they well of course uh, yeah i mean that, well that's the thing is that when witches were accused in the past the person accusing them was always the witness like the innocent mm-hmm. person like the, it's just tradition i think they're just going with traditions believed by witches which is why they also have the the women wearing the hair shirts because traditionally hair has been associated with witchcraft like long mm. hair and body hair like underarm hair mm-hmm. leg hair yeah yeah those have been associated with the women who are considered witches well and i'll say too and th- this is one of those things that's just kind of an aside onto that as well that maybe maybe it was in the back of dario's mind when he made the original um i think it was definitely on uh luca's mind whenever he made this one I think the notion of having witches be dancers, mm-hmm. I think, is very, very interesting and very smart. Yeah. When you look at 
dance in a lot of ways as being very much a symbol of of femininity mm-hmm. and female sexuality. And yeah. then also too, even when you look at all the stories of you know witches dancing naked around a fire, right? All women dancing uh-huh. together, and even like during Volk, it's like their their costumes are almost made to make them look like they're nude. Well, yeah, and they 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 are made to resemble like bondage rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that Japanese mm-hmm. kind of rig. Yeah. So I think that just the notion of having witches be dancers, I think, is really, really cool. I think yeah. that's a really good concept. Yeah, I mean, they're performing spells through dance. Like, yeah, well, that, but, that's something I can get behind. The yeah. idea that you need this, like, well, and, and women have always been able to bewitch men through dance. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's <laughs> you know? how John the Baptist lost his head. You don't say. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Based on a true story. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I just want to put that aside that I think that that's a really, really cool way. It is. It is really witches. cool. Yeah. Like, I, I like the con, because like, one of the things that um, I have real trouble with, uh, I love playing RPGs. Mm-hmm. I like me some D&D, and of course I love me some Harry Potter. One of the things I always have trouble with is like Harry Potter goes into it a little bit, but the the concept of just pointing a, a wand and, and a spell coming out, it's like, what differentiates good and bad? Mm. But when dance is the medium for the spell, it's like, well, I could easily differentiate hmm. good dancing That's from cool. bad dancing. Mm-hmm. So I, I buy into it better, I think is what I'm saying, is that the the fact that they... I mean, they do magic without dance, but I, it feels to me like... That's a physicality to yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I, um, I think that the dance that they're preparing for, the Volk dance... Mm-hmm. Is actually a dance they're um, they're using as a spell to fix the issue that's going on in Berlin. Now that that's something that I was curious about too, because it definitely does seem as if that is all part of some kind of some kind of ritual, right? And it, it gets disrupted. Well, it yeah, doesn't it doesn't work? Mia Goth decides to go on a treasure hunt, right? <laughs> okay, w- which I, I will say, I think that is somewhat of a clumsy plot device. Well, they made her so much like Sarah from the original that it doesn't make sense at that point. It's like, wait... I thought you were committed to the dance and the school and stuff. Right. And you're you're choosing debut night to be like, I think I should go explore in costume. Like, really? And Olga seemed to be much more like concerned about Patricia. Sarah didn't seem as concerned about Patricia until suddenly she, like, she, she... Is confronted by Klimperer about it, and he she's just like, no, no, none of that. And then that night, she's like, yeah, probably all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that while she's snooping around and she finds that like hidden room that has that is all great. the yeah the extreme, Oh, the that's what it's called. House. And it has all that like extreme feminine artwork. Like there's like a statue. Yeah, there's a statue of a, a tits with a with a vagina on top of it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like that is so like it is just female centric yeah. all of it well which again goes back to stuff we talked about like in the witch and stuff like that where it's like ultimately the 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 fear of witchcraft and the persecution of witches is just fear of the power of femininity yeah exactly you know, of, of the mm-hmm. of the incredible creative power of women right. and the stuff that we don't have access to as men you know yeah and that i think it's it. awesome I mean, to see all that it is. everything in that everything in that room is representative of that 
is very yeah. cool. Yeah, it's very feminine. But basically, whenever she goes AWOL on the night of the performance, she goes down there, she sees some crazy shit. Yeah. She steps in a hole. She gets her bone out her leg. Yeah, and then they come in and they mend her, her leg and then put her in a trance that basically makes her just do the dance. Yeah, yeah. She's a mega dancer at that point. Right. She's a dance machine. Okay, and so... And because then- they need her to complete the ritual. But the impression that I got... If you'll watch, whenever she like enters back into the dance and Susie notices her, it's like she can tell something is not right. right yes, here. that's what I was gonna say. Is that so? This is what happens: is uh, Sarah Mia Goth, her eyes turn blue, mm-hmm. and um, Su- uh, Susie recognizes that her eyes are a different color. Yeah. So Susie takes control. And when Susie takes control, her eyes turn brown. Susie's eyes are blue. Her eyes suddenly turn brown. Oh, I didn't notice and that. And then Sarah's eyes turn back to their regular color and she collapses. That's when like her leg breaks again. Yes. I think so that Susie what, like, disrupted the yes, spell. Yes, Susie disrupted the spell and then like Madame Blanc is she you know, she's like, "What have you done? You, you know, yeah. you messed it up." Well, but I think that Susie knew something that Blanc didn't know. I think she knew yes. that this was this ritual was somehow going to empower um, Helena Marcos yes. in, in some way. Yes, I don't and think it meant to fix anything. I think it meant to empower Marcos in, in some way. I'm not sure. Okay, I can see that. I I had the theory that what they were doing was meant to fix Berlin because. Earlier, when uh, Susie was trying to make some changes to the dance, like Madame uh, Blanc has this sort of speech about uh, how she doesn't understand what happened 40 years ago mm-hmm. and how this is meant to bring about, like, you know, a, a, a sort of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I don't know. There's, she says, I mean, they've performed this dance before. Yeah. And Volk is a very on-the-nose reference to a, a, yeah. a Hitler reference. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, like, for me, it seems like maybe that it's to do that, but also maybe it's to empower Elena Mar- But that's the problem I have is that I feel like Madame Blanc doesn't want to empower Helena Marcos, and I don't think Helena Marcos can trick Madame Blanc. Like, I think Madame Blanc knows right. very well what she's up to, so she wouldn't... Well, she do seems the dance to, if it was going to empower her. She never seems to fall for Marcos as being yeah. the true mother. Well, she seems to always yeah. know. She's like not. half of the people are are very much entrenched in in this Helena Marcos dictatorship idea. It's all like it's all so open for interpretation that I, that's why this this movie is going to be talked about for a very long time. Even I'm finding though, it more interesting the more that we talk about. Yeah, it. Yeah, even though maybe people will you know not enjoy it as much as you might enjoy watching the original i th- i think that this one is better than the original the original's more enjoyable watch probably because it's yeah. it's a feast the yeah. original is a feast for your eyes and your ears yeah this one is a feast for your mind mm. which takes a lot of work which well, can be real hard yeah and, definitely and can be fun and rewarding but also it's just like yeah, but do I want to go back to that? Because I know if I watch it again, I'm going to have to go through all the mental like work to try to understand everything that's going on. Let me ask you some stuff about, about Susie here, because one thing that I noticed this time around is how her character evolves and changes 
uh, in terms of like when she arrives at the dance studio. For one, okay, let's back up a little bit here. Okay. She comes from this Mennonite background where her mother seems to have disavowed her and says that she's her her, her sin and her shame and her right. smear on the world and stuff. Her, yeah. Do you I think s- that they would send her to be a modern dancer at a yeah, that's, all-women okay. school in Berlin? I had this exact question. Did she steal that money? Because it shows her at the very first of the movie with a handful of American dollars and also European currency. Well, yeah, Ger- yeah it looks like Deutschmarks in there. And the, the, I mean, there could be the idea that the Mennonites want her to have some sort of connection to German heritage or something, but like, I don't see that. I don't see Mennonites. Because yeah. like, she says specifically um, that the Amish and the Mennonites split because the... Amish thought the Mennonites were getting too liberal. <laughs> like, Party. So, so maybe that the Mennonites are in their liberality um, allowing her to do this thing, but that just seems so uncharacteristic. Well, and even when she talks about how she's seen Madame Blanc do that dance a hundred times, it was in the context of, I watched the video at the library. Like, it was yeah. never well, and she I bought saw, it on home video. She saw it live three times and she basically had to sneak and and madame blanc says i i imagine they weren't happy about that basically right and she's like no they weren't well and she's very very adamant about not ever really mentioning her family at the school like whenever they're like do you need to call your family and tell them you got accepted she's like "Mm, no we're good good yeah never mentions it it makes me it really does make me think that she just cut bait and and ran like yeah she had always had this obsession of money from yeah yeah i really think so because she'd always had this obsession with berlin it shows her mom in that flashback like crinkling up her paper and throwing it away and stuff yeah because she didn't want to study the united states she wanted to be in berlin like yeah she knew from birth what she was and where she needed to be right it's crazy like that's that's a real that's a cool uh like if that were a comic book character's background story it'd be a cool story which you know really again when you think in terms of like historical context Movie takes place in 77. I assume maybe she's 18-ish. Yeah, I, yeah which, I'm assuming she's supposed to be like 18, 19 in this, right? Which means maybe she was born in 59. Right. So she she's born well outside of World War II. But that means her parents lived through it, and they were like, and you want to go to Naziville? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Right. That would make that much more taboo to be like, you want to yeah. go to Berlin? Are you kidding? Yeah. So okay, that, that does that, that makes that make it. a lot more sense. Like, because I, I, I mean, we talked about this in the minisode, the idea of like why her mother thinks she's a sin. Yeah. Because her mother seems to, from like each flashback we see, like from her as a, a youth, to uh, up to the point where her mother's dying on her on her deathbed, like while she's in Germany, her mother does not like her yeah very much but at the same time Susie's a twin she is yeah what there's numerous references in the uh, in the script and stuff like this okay so Dakota Johnson plays Susie obviously but uh-huh. also in some of the flashback scenes or like back at the homestead right there is a daughter that's like pregnant yeah you never really see her face uh-huh. that's also Dakota Johnson she's a twin oh. 
fuck? Yeah, she has a twin sister back home. Oh, well, then that can explain it, actually, though, then. Well, it's odd, though, because but, the mom references Susie as being her last child. Well, yeah, she would have been the youngest, probably, and therefore possibly the evil twin. But again, like, that, there's also back, duality there, right? And yeah. also, too, you know what? This just hit me as well. Yeah. That was also one of those signs of witchery and witchcraft was twins. Yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say, is that by being the second one, she was the evil one. Which, again, that's in The Witch as well. There's yes. a set of twins in that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Twins are evil. I mean, uh, anything uh, anything slightly different. Left-handed is evil. Like, yeah. <laughs> like anything Not slightly different. like Yeah, so, like, for people like, you know, with a simple worldview, the Mennonites, yeah, she would just be automatically evil. And yeah. So she was treated automatically as evil. But it happens to be that she is... Well, no, not evil. The mothers aren't evil because they existed yeah. before God and Satan. Right, yeah, yeah. They're not evil. They're just like they're Lovecraftian. Mm-hmm. Like they're extra dimensional beings. Unknowable. They, yeah. They're unknowable, incomprehensible. We yeah. can't, can't imagine them. So she doesn't seem, I guess, necessarily evil, but definitely different. I think it's interesting, too, knowing that Mother Suspirium is the mother of size. The mother of size, yeah. That's an interesting one. is, especially towards the earlier portion of the movie, just intake of breath and exhaling. Yeah, and they actually do this this motion a couple of times. She does this when she's doing her first dance, which is, I mean, obviously on a podcast not working, but basically (laughs) that Drawing the arms from out to in. Yeah, drawing your arms from out to in toward your chest, just like you're pulling in breath. Yeah, Yeah. and even before her first audition she's kind of yeah like intaking breath and of course her mother's death is very much pronounced by her intaking breath and sighing out air and stuff like that so yeah she because she's mother's dealing with some lung emphasized. issue it seems yeah and there's also tears emphasized which there's also a mother of tears right yeah and olga uh as she's walking down the stairs yep. to leave suddenly she starts like just thick, like gelatinous shooting tears, tears out of her face yeah and then there's also the mother of darkness, and obviously darkness is emphasized very many times throughout yeah. the movie. Something I thought about Susie that was interesting too to see is how her, uh, let's just say her her womanliness, her feminine sexuality and stuff uh-huh. grows throughout the course of the movie. Right, like whenever she's arriving, she is in full sweats, her hair is right. in a bun. Mm. And then it's like with every dance scene that you see, it seems she like... She takes off more and more. Yeah, by yeah. the end, she's just in a sheer, like, robe. Yeah. And it's not even that it's just like, man, oh, she's getting hotter. It's not... No, it, that's, that's not there at all, actually. Yeah, there, there's nothing the sexy about this movie, and it's not supposed to be. No. This is not... A, I mean, this, the movie says these exact words. This isn't about beauty. This isn't about art. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, and there's all that stuff about we got to break the nose of everything beautiful. Yes. And stuff like that. In there. Yeah. So the, these are these are bodies. Yeah. Like that, that is like this is an interesting take on on feminism where it's not it's not just like we don't want to be objects. It's it's we want to be allowed to just be bodies. Yeah. Like we want our you know, uh, like the, uh, what I really like is that they all have dancers' bodies, and dancers' bodies, as, as you said, are like they start to break down, like from yeah. all this hard impact and stuff. And they all have this, um, they have this dancerness to them. So like they're lithe, and they're not what you might call like traditionally like 
you know the the hourglass figure yeah, 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 yeah. they're not like that. they don't look like beyonce yeah they're dedicated to dance right it's yeah, yeah. not about uh, you liking the way they look it's mm-hmm. about you recognizing their form and their expression through it and i'll say too we've not mentioned this yet we're a bunch of idiots that don't know shit about oh yeah dance and oh yeah i don't know anything, anything like i mean we 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 both asked Mangelina Broly for some advice on yeah. that, and she gave us some good stuff. But Our like, ballet homegirl listens to the podcast and yeah. stuff here, and you know she uh, she gave you know she gave us a brief kind of summary of the stuff yeah. that we should be watching for, which is captured very well in terms of like the, right. the kinetics and the even the editing and stuff like that that is yes. in the movie to. Um, to show just again how violent and aggressive a lot of the dance and stuff is. And again, the editing during the dance scenes is fantastic. Yeah. It really, really is. I really love... Okay, so like... (laughs) At this point, like... We're not gonna crack the code to understanding everything about this. I just wanted to talk about some things I really love. Hit me. I really love how... Okay, so they're... In the the performance, their uh, costumes are basically bondage rope. Yeah. But the interesting thing about that is that... Uh, the bondage rope, it, it's bound on them, but then it's loose at the bottom. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, and and what they're doing in the dance is constantly using that looseness to like make noise and to to like mm, accentuate yeah. their motions. Because very percussive. Exactly, and so it's like they're using their bondage as an instrument. Oh wow! Which is exactly what you would want from this powerful feminist movie wow, yeah. is for them to to turn the patriarch on its head mm. to take the bondage and make it work in their favor That's um cool. yeah I, I really man there were so many small things about this that i really just loved i love the look of death at that comes oh, up out of way cool what? way 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 cool like I, yeah. I posted it on our instagram today just like the best picture you can get of it it's like it's like some sort of xenomorph human is what mm. is how i would describe it like yeah. the, the the disgusting very, slick blackness of uh, it like it's very giger looking yeah like it's like an oily blackness to it yeah. and the way it moves it's is awesome yeah and again, practical. Yeah, yeah all practical. So very, very like, cool. Yeah, and that, that that is probably my favorite thing. And I I haven't mentioned his name, but the, the person who did the makeup, um, Mark uh, Collier or Coulier. It's spelled Coulier. Like Dave like Coulier? Dave Coulier. Go, but he, cut it out. But he's from England, so I'm betting he pronounces it Collier. Okay. <laughs> What's he Here, done? Here's some things he's done. All of the Harry Potters except for two and three. Okay. Um, he did Nightbreed, which is not one of my favorite movies, but, but it looks the good. makeup is great. Yeah. So Candyman has been in the game a long time. Uh huh. Candyman, Candyman, Hellraiser two and three. Damn. Uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. That was great. Event Horizon. Holy shit. The Fifth Element. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Alien versus Predator, and he most recently. I mean, this isn't his most recent credit because the dude is still working like crazy. But the most recent thing that I've watched, he did the Black Mirror Bandersnatch episode. Oh, no shit. Which has some real cool, uh, if you play out all of the scenes, has some real cool prosthetic makeup. So this guy knows his shit. He knows his shit and he fucking nailed it. And like that, that Red Room 
which Sabbath scene, at certain points, there are 20 people in the shot wearing prosthetic makeup. Jeez. Like, they just had to have a million makeup people on set doing makeup on everybody. Almost like a real movie. Yeah, like a real one. It's crazy. You know, it was interesting watching on the Blu-ray there. There's a couple of disappointingly short featurettes about... Yeah, I would like a lot more about this. I mean, yeah, all the feature. There's like three featurettes, and they're all like four minutes each. Mm. I mean, it's like, come on. Yeah. Uh, but they do show... Some interesting stuff, like during the uh, the dance annihilation uh-huh. scene where uh, Olga is being just destroyed in the other studio, yeah. how they did a lot of that stuff. So, like, whenever they show those scenes where like her arm is being like bent behind her head and stuff, yeah, that's a prosthetic, right? Yeah, and they just they took her arm out in green screen. Right? Yeah, they yeah. had to wear like a green sleeve on her uh-huh. real arm, and they built a prosthetic arm, dun, and then. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I was starting to do green sleeves and it went oh, to Harry Potter. Yeah, I was like, Harry Potter? Uh-huh. It is strikingly similar now that you mention it. Yeah. And they did the same thing with like a fake leg behind a real leg and stuff. Yeah. And even like built a, a prosthetic jaw for yeah. this. Yeah. Like her jaw breaks. Okay. I love where like she has like hernia like shoot out of her belly and stuff too. Again, yeah. all real. Yeah. And that that was that, uh, that hernia. Like at first I was like, is that just digital but then you can see in a a sort of distant shot that it's a prosthetic like that it's still there yeah yeah even in the distant shot it just does it looks a little less awesome because in the up close they obviously digitally enhance they digitally enhance a few things uh like when you know when she rips open her chest and whatnot like that was a practical effect with a little digital i don't know it's kind of slimy and movie in there with yeah, some digital effects. And I still I still must complain. CGI blood looks fucking stupid. Yeah, it looks bad. Like the scene where we see uh, Tilda get nearly headless nicked and uh-huh. there's the blood spray. Yeah, that looks bad. It looks like bullshit. The yeah. scenes where people's heads are exploding look like bullshit. Yeah, well I the, the red the I, red light saves it. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say I, it does look fake, but the red light kind of helps. It with helps, that. but it yeah. still it still looks like a headshot in a video game. Yeah, like when it's like yeah. The, that's yeah, that's you know, what it looks like. Yeah. Where it's like the blood looks more like oil than blood. Right, it's like glossy. Yeah, looking glossy, and that, that is not how right. blood comes out. No. It never looks right, you know. No. Which you know, it makes you understand whenever Stanley Kubrick had him shoot the elevator scene in The Shining a million times, and he's like, "It doesn't look real." Right. Yeah, it's because there's a million ways to make blood look not real. Yeah. You know, so I I do wish they would have found a more elegant way around yeah. some of those things. It, it again, it it did kind of pull me. But out. this was, I mean, this was a movie produced by Amazon Studios um, that they knew wasn't going to make money in the theater right like they they didn't even release it wide like you know it went to a lot of independent theaters but it wasn't we got it like a month after it'd been yeah yeah it was never meant to be released wide like i guarantee it'll be on their streaming service soon um and and that's what they were really going for is people that are interested in seeing suspiria so they'll pay for the streaming service and they're like i'll just stay um I, I think, yeah, they cut some corners, but I don't know. When you're that dedicated to practical effects and then you 
let the blood look like that. Yeah. Like just weak. Yeah, come on, man. Just or just don't show it. That's true. Yeah, you. Well, no, man. I would love seeing those head explosions. Your head explodes. Yeah, those head explosions are great. <laughs> Did you think it looked very vaginal whenever she opened her chest yes. up? Yeah, I think that's what they were going for. And there was a yeah. lot of other imagery in the yeah, movie a lot too, of like vaginal Im- imagery. When, whenever we see those, and again, this goes back to her uh, womanly powers growing throughout right. the movie, but. There's that set of dream sequences and stuff that we see in the movies that kind of reveals some stuff about her back. Well, right. She's having sort of an orgasmic dream, and she remembers her mom catching her uh, masturbating. It looks like she's having a wank in the closet. Yeah, that's what she's doing, and her mom burns her hand with an iron. She dobbies her. She dobbies her, yeah. She had to iron her hands. Yep. There's a lot of Harry Potter in this movie. There really is. (laughs) Honestly, <laughs> though, the, I mean, Harry Potter, uh, man, I'll tell you what, uh, last week I forgot to mention it. Carrie, Harry Potter, uh, Suspiria, Harry Potter, <laughs> troll. The original troll has a character named Harry, Harry Potter, Potter who lives in uh, a, a cabinet under the stairs, basically. Yeah. yeah like she's Harry obviously everywhere. was watching her horror movies. That's one of the things I love about JK. I wish she'd get back to that. I wish she'd get back. Like, instead of like, man, how can I extend the stories of the few characters I've already made? Why not just be like, Make I'm going to write a story about how nearly headless Nick got his head almost fucking chopped off. I would love to read that. Yeah. Like, tell me the gruesome details of that. That's interesting. I'd be I'm, very okay with I that. I don't man. need Grindelwald and Dumbledore fighting over a wand, which no. we know is a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty apparent. Come on, guys. Pretty obvious. What do you think about the epilogue of the movie? Okay, so yeah, let's let's talk about this. Okay. Spoilers. I don't like it. Yeah. Um so one of the things that this movie really deals with is generational guilt. Yeah. Um, which, you know, talked about just a little bit ago. Um and so Kimberer is carrying this guilt of what happened to his wife. Yeah. And he the didn't witches, get her papers together. They got separated. Never right. happened to her. And the witches do rightfully point out that he had time to get out before he tried to. Yeah. Like, he had more than enough time to get out, maybe. Um, but, but in the end, he... Like you, it's victim blaming is what they're doing. Like they're blaming him for not recognizing that he was, his people were going to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Like he, he did nothing wrong. He, he was a pure victim, just like his wife. Uh, And so mother Suspirium, as, as I said before, she is compassionate now, her compassion isn't the type of... Comp- it's not human compassion. It's eternal sort of weird compassion where it's, I recognize that uh, you haven't done these terrible things other people have done, so what I'll give you is the gift of oblivion. Mm-hmm. You'll get to forget the things that cause you all this pain. Yeah. Now, if... Somebody told me I could forget my wife after she died. I would say no. I wouldn't want yeah. to forget my wife. Yeah, erase the memories of the best things in my life. So it's like she, Mother Suspirium, thinks she's doing him a service. 
when in actuality, what she's doing is taking away from him all the things that make him human. Which I think undercuts the power hmm? of Susie Banya's character. Maybe. Or maybe... Maybe she just doesn't care about men. Maybe the mothers don't care about men. Like, would that be so bad? If the, if they may ended up making this as a trilogy and we just discovered that the mothers don't care about men or their feelings. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that just be a nice antithesis to Christian God or mm-hmm. Muslim Allah who... Mm-hmm have all these laws and rules that are basically like women are less than men. If, right. if we had this, uh, separate Trinity that we're like, yeah. And, uh, we completely think the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. That men are far less than women. And there's no so. use in us even dealing with yeah. them. Um, but, but, but then like after all that stuff and it shows modern times and it shows Klimper and Anka's cabin, and it yeah. zooms in on their little heart carving. Yeah, which is it just, just seems to cheapen the entire story to me. It just yeah. seems to be like this whole thing was a love story. Yeah, it's like man, dude, for that to be the last impression, yeah. God, that's weak. It's to not me. great. I like. I really would have loved it if it ended bright with the red room, basically with them kicking him out. Maybe. Um, you have a, a small denouement of her like taking over control of the the dance studio. Yeah. Maybe show her wearing Madame Blanc's dress or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't because ultimately the story is about Susie. Yeah, it's not about Klimperer. And then the epilogue makes it more about this old I, guy. I I I mean, it, it could be fair to say that the epilogue shows her now and her role as Mother Suspirium and what she does, but that's not interesting enough to go back to. Like, it's not more interesting than just the regular ending. Like, right. if it had just ending ended before the epilogue, we would get she's powerful as fuck. We just saw her make a bunch of people's heads explode. Yeah. We don't need her to also be responsible for alleviating him of his feelings of guilt. Right. Yeah. I don't know that I don't know that, that epilogue needed to happen. Yeah, I don't all. I don't know that it did either. It's one I of the feel like I was, it, it could have it could have been cut. Yeah. I was hoping that on, on second viewing I'd be like, Oh no, no no, I get it this time. But still I just think it just makes it like man centric at the end. When you've yeah. had this whole story that's all about It's really about making a man feel better about the stuff that Yeah. Maybe like, he what? shouldn't have done. Yeah. 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 Maybe he should have been a little more on top of it. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't really understand why it needed to be there. I wonder if there was studio pressure involved. <laughs> I I just don't know. It just seems like an overly happy optimistic sweet ending for such a movie that has been so bleak in a lot of ways yeah i can't say that i like the epilogue at all yeah. i can't I, honestly, I think i, I, I can't think even I, say that i love that it starts with like a movie in six acts and an epilogue <laughs> like, i don't even know that i like that like right that seems pretty fucking pretentious to me i mean i guess it kind of <laughs> makes it come come out like a like a ballet like a proper ballet yeah uh, but 
as a movie audience, when you're watching it, you're like, act six, okay, here's the ending. Now I know there's going to be an epilogue. Epilogue, okay. Like, it almost kind of spells it out too clearly for what you're in for. You know, I... Because you I'm know when you see the end of, of act it six, now it's not from over. from a perspective of sitting down to write that. Yeah. Why would you... Like, why? Like, it, it, it almost seems like maybe it was a scene you wrote just to get a... Like, because, you know, this is a smart thing to do, again, for any writers out there. Uh, you want you want your uh, story to start in media race, in the middle of action, of Ooh, course. Yeah. But a smart thing to do is to write all the stuff up to that point and then just start your story in the middle. Yeah. And then you know all the information up to that point so you can plug it in along the way. Yeah. Um. But then when you come to an, the idea of an epilogue, like, the, the the real idea is to put a button on everything, to really, like, either, like, challenge uh, something about the movie or to really, like, land some hard thought. Mm-hmm. And I, if the hard thought is that men, some men need to be alleviated of their guilt... I, that undercuts a lot. Of I think the movie. it does. Yeah, yeah. Because I think so much of the of the movie is about uh, womanly power and feminism, yeah. and I, I love seeing this wonderful, you know, commune of women sustaining themselves and living on their own. Yeah, I think it's awesome and, and beautiful to see. And I think another really strong theme throughout the movie is that okay. You've got these women that are like squabbling to be at the head of control. You've right. got Blanc and Marcos and, and all right. these other people fighting to say who should be in charge and stuff like this. But then I think that Susie kind of shows that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be the person on top of the of the totem pole to assert power. Right. You know, it's like wherever you are in the food chain, you can assert dominance and control and power. I, that okay this is something that i thought about when looking at one of the the drawings in patricia's notebook where yeah. she included everybody like yeah. um and she even has herself yeah, it says me yeah. and and you see like all the lines and the thing is that when you look at it you think of it as a shape like you think oh all these lines are forming something mm-hmm. but when you're a part of it, there there is no looking at it from the outside. When you're a part of it, it's not a shape. It's just a motion. Mm. And so, like, they're all in motion. They're all doing these things. They're all involved in these different ideas and whatnot. Um, and if you look at it from the outside, it's easy to say, well, this person's in charge. Right. But from the inside, it's like, Everything's connected to everything. Everything's yeah. connected. Who is anybody really in charge here? Right. Like every all of these are moving like moving parts. Yeah. Even if she's trying to be in charge, the best she can do is kill somebody for not doing what she wants to happen. Mm-hmm. But then eventually she ends up alone because she's killed everybody. Like uh they're all interconnected parts, and Susie plays that part really well. Yeah. 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 Do you think the movie needed to be as long as it is? It's fucking long. Uh, two and a half hours is pretty long. I think if you cut out the... I think I, I I did the math. If you cut out the epilogue and the 
the closing credits, it's uh, a closer to two hours and ten minutes. Yeah. At that point, I don't know what you cut. Like, if you cut the epilogue, fine. But then, what else can you take out? What would work? Like, how would the movie work without all the rest of what happens in it? I honestly think that... I honestly think that you could take out the historical narrative of of all the the REF and Bader Meinhof stuff. Mm-hmm. I do think that you could take it out. I mean, that completely changes the movie. I mean, does it? Yeah, <laughs> yes. It, it makes does. it it makes it more like the original, like, like to me, it's isolated like, and 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 uh, very claustrophobic. Yeah, but it, to me, it allows me to focus on the the power struggle of what's happening within the coven. Yeah more than what's happening in the coven and what's happening in these real life historical events that, you know, it's, it's like this duality of this like fantasy and history happening at the same time. I don't know that having actual history act as an allegory to fantasy makes it better, you know? And I really just, I don't know that you needed all the love story, lost love stuff with the, the doctor. It's like, I really don't know that that makes the movie better. I think Klimper is in no way a sympathetic character without that. Otherwise, there's no use for Klimper at all. Yeah, it, other than just clumsy exposition. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you take out the love story, you have to take out Klimper. Then, yeah, what you're saying is you prefer to watch Dario Argento's Probably. Suspiria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just don't know that adding those extra things makes the movie better. Uh, well, okay. Let's all right, let's take the word "better" out. Does yeah. it make the movie different than the original? Yeah, yeah. But it's different, better. It doesn't have to be better or worse. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and that and that's inarguable. Yeah, and to some people, different is better. Some people like different. Because some I completely, like I completely understand people not liking the original. To me, the yeah, original it's, is it's, it's a bit hokey and, and yeah, silly. Yeah, exactly. It's not an invincible movie. To me, like flicks, like you know, yeah, like The Shining and stuff like that. Like that's pretty much like a pretty invincible movie to me, where it's like yeah. it's very likable. It's very yeah. You should watch that and understand why it's significant. You know, right? Yeah, this one requires <laughs> this one requires a degree. I think <laughs> maybe you know I think this one's maybe like but one the, of those movies where it's like so many references that are. I think trying to be over your head. I baby. think so. Yeah. I think so. And, and maybe that's just a little fart sniffy for me. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I still like it. Like, the first time that we watched it and we did the mini episode, I was like flip-flopping over it. Whereas, like, yeah. after we watched it, I was like, I don't know. And then the next day, I was like, I think I liked it. And mm-hmm. then by the time we did the episode, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Uh-huh. And after I watched it this time... Uh, again, my initial reactions where it's like, this is really messy. Where I'm like, I don't know that... It, it had some great themes of, of feminism and the power of women and stuff yeah. throughout the movie that I really, really, really liked that were awesome. Yeah. And again, all the dance stuff and all the blatant opposites to the original. Right. I really liked because it was just saying, 
if you're going to make a remake, let's completely re-explore Yeah, do something game. completely different. And that's that's cool to me. Yeah. Like, I really like that a lot. But then I was just faced with all this other stuff where I'm just like, man, are a lot of these little side stories making it better? Like, am I, am I in any way, like, really tied to Klimper's story about his wife? Am I in any way mm. really involved in these... Like all the Bader Meinhof stuff, I'm not even seeing it happening. It's happening by means of people turning on a TV or a radio. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was thinking if you did take that out, you really wouldn't take out much of the movie. But you'd take out a lot of context. Like, because yeah. it honestly only happens in brief flashes. Yeah, it's always happening like the background of a yeah. restaurant or an office or whatever. Like, it's not like there's 30 minutes of the movie that's right, a yeah. RAF scene on the plane. Like... That, yeah, that, that would be really That is an blue. interesting element about it is that it, it is its presence is so felt. Like that that bit of it, the RAF stuff, its presence is so felt. But if you if you break it down to how much screen time it has, it's real little. But it, Yeah, it's not so, as much as I remembered. Yeah, but it, it but it does have a major impact on the movie. I was just expecting it to come back. Like I was expecting yeah. it to be like Patricia leaves that Join. would have been a more interesting epilogue, maybe. Yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> well, I was I was honestly even expecting, like, towards the end of the movie, like, all this crazy shit's going on, and then Patricia crashes the party with her RAF buddies, and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, pew, pew, pew. Yeah, like, do sex machina is it. <laughs> like, I was like, when is this going to come back and actually, like, interact with right. the story itself? Yeah. And not just give me parallels, you know? Yeah. Could I... You know, if you if you were an educated audience member, just watch this and be like, "Oh wow, the the power struggle within the coven is kind of parallel to what was going on right. with the RAF and uh, the the German, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Political system, right? That was in power at the time. So, like, could you just watch it and infer that without it having to really put it on Front Street? Maybe. As a well, not even front street, side street. Put it on a street, yeah, right. a street. As just a side story. I don't know, man. It's just there's there's just a lot of stuff in this that I just can't help but feel is like, what were you trying to tell a story about here? Mm-hmm. Were you trying to tell a story about women's power? Were you trying to tell a story about German history? <laughs> like, what were you trying to tell me by throwing all these things together? Which is the allegory telling you about the other one at that point? Right. Rather than just give me a singular story and message. Mm. What's imitating what? Just a good question. You know? Yeah. And maybe that in itself is an interesting thing that this movie is going for. And if that's the case, then uh, I guess it did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a, a, a ranking here. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the ambiguities are things that it's going for. I think particularly that it, it is aimed at academic audiences. I think it's aimed at being highfalutin. It's aimed at being fart sniffy kind of. Yeah. Um, I think it's aimed at that and it's, and because of that, like it's, it's, it's not going to hit audiences quite as strongly as say the witch, which is um, 
like if you understand the context of of what's going on in the witch it helps a little but you can watch the witch without knowing anything about that era of american history yeah and still understand mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah the bader meinhof stuff without any sort of context absolutely useless yeah there's no reason for it uh with some context it makes some sense that kind but, of goes back to the the payment stuff we were talking about hereditary earlier, yeah where it's like whereas with with hereditary it was so interesting that i did the research myself right. With this, I was just like, why are they putting this in here? <laughs> Wait, late 70s Germany. I'm so interested. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, it was like that. Yeah. It is a weird choice. Yeah. Um, I like it for that, though. I like that weirdness. I like... I, I think that maybe Luca Guadagnino's version of Argento is... Um, instead of, you know bright colors and weird mc escher references and stuff like i'll make weird historical references and and Eh, strange references to academic uh (laughs) papers and things like um yeah maybe that's his weirdness or maybe it you know uh it really is just he was getting fart sniffy and and wanted to seem real important and whatnot I don't I don't get that from the movie. I think the movie is more grounded. I think maybe that's just the way uh people involved with this, the director, writer, uh that's the way they think. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's easy to call someone pretentious when basically what you're saying is I don't get you. <laughs> like, sure, yeah. It's easy to say that's pretentious, but it, it, I don't I don't know that this movie is entirely pretentious. But it is maybe too much at times. Yeah. Too much to try to give context to. That being said, as a horror movie and looking at the A story, the primary story of this, this is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dancing is also amazing. Yeah. I I love how dedicated everyone was to their roles. Um. I, I really enjoy this movie, but it it is long, as you said. I as much as I tried to defend the epilogue, or tried to defend uh, Tilda Swinton playing the the psychiatrist. I don't know that those were great choices. I I, I mean, you know, they're bold. Sure. They'd certainly try to say something. That's undeniable. Yeah, but I'm not positive what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I'm just going to watch this movie several more times and try to Same. understand it. Yeah, but me too. Despite my complaints, me yeah, too. Yeah. So for me, this is, I mean, this is a seven and a half. Yeah. I think that's a, uh, that's what we gave Carrie. You gave it Carrie a seven and a half. I gave it seven point six. Yeah. Spirit of seventy six. Boom. Um, I think that they're around there. Like Carrie has its problems, it has its issues, and it has its like less than great moments. But it has that core of the moments with her mom, and all of that is great. I would say the core of Dakota Johnson with Tilda Swinton and her with the other characters. And that's fucking great. Yeah. Um, so it really, I think it deserves a good grade, but it's also like, 
I'm going to have to really work at it to try to understand why it is the way it is. Right. What do you think? I understand the stuff that you're saying. There's a lot of stuff about this that I like. Like I said, I, I do love the original. Uh-huh. The, the, the visuals and the soundtrack. Like yeah. Eyes and ears. Those are yeah, my favorite I, I, senses. I seriously can watch that movie a million times. Yeah. Like, it, I, as I've said throughout this episode, I don't love the original. Yeah. But it's extremely watchable. Yeah. And it's a good movie. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And, and I love that. And, and honestly, it's one of those deals where I'll, I'll be really transparent here. I do wonder, knowing Argento's like later work and how it got kind of crap, uh-huh. I do wonder if he did just kind of get lucky with it or if he really was super, super honest and self-aware and said, you know what this movie needs? Nothing. <laughs> it's like keep the dialogue super minimal and yeah. basic keep the story super basic i'd rather I, hear ears, i'd rather hear loud wind than hear what a, a girl's actually saying at the door totally. yeah. yeah give me bright lights instead of dialogue yeah exactly like, it's yeah. really interesting and a strange way to tell a story i love that about the original again this isn't about comparing this to that though. no this is a completely not. different story uh whereas this seems to to somehow not have the confidence to be like, you know what? A simple story would suffice to tell this uh, tale about feminine power and witches and so on. I need to also enhance it with the story about a man looking for his wife. Yeah. And about terrorists. You know, that might only just play into later drawing him back to the dance studio with the image of his wife. Like if that Oh man, that's clumsy ass expedition. That's real that's clumsy. Case. Yeah. I mean that is asking us to invest yeah. a lot of fucking time if that's into, all it is. Into just a small movement toward like you could come up with any reason to get yeah. him there. Well, and, and just to put the original Susie back in the movie too, you know. Yeah. Which I, I do like. She learned she was German for that part. It's pretty cool. Badass, yeah. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah. And she's a badass. I like that they put her back in there. Yeah. I do wish they would have referenced the goblin soundtrack at some point. That would have been just, nice. Yeah, it's weird that Tom York didn't at some at point. At least have, something. At least something. Yeah. Uh, but there were some cool references to the OG here. I think that some of those scenes, like whenever uh, Madame Blanc's like transmitting the dreams and she has the weird like technicolor kind of pink yeah. lights and stuff on her, definitely reference. Something I noticed this time through too is like the, um, the, the, the zombie girls, Patricia uh-huh. and uh, Sophie. Sarah. Sarah, there we go. Uh-huh. Uh, look very much like the original Helena Marcos. Oh, they do. Right? They're yeah. like all green and crusty uh-huh. and corpse-like and stuff. Yeah. They look very much like the original Helena Marcos, which I thought was cool. There's references to like the, you know, dance is happening in the Iris room. Uh-huh. Okay. Stuff like that. You know, if you're if you're a fan of the original, there are some subtle references, but it doesn't feel any At one like point, loyalty. a lady points out a dude's teeth and says, look at this goofball. <laughs> He got his teeth, teeth fixed, idiot. <laughs> I love the the way that they took the twist with this. You know, that it's not yeah. that Susie shows up to kill these witches. It's that Susie shows up and she is the fucking witch. Yeah. She's the ultimate she's witch. She's the witch. Yeah, like yeah. She's the one. I like yeah. that very much. And and again, like a lot of those opposites that we talked about earlier, I think are, are very cool. It's a cool way to spin mm-hmm. a, a remake. Is just to do something that is completely the opposite of what yeah. you're expecting. Uh, that vocal soundtrack really is yeah. just a fucking. It's intrusive. It's and a bad. dick softener yeah. for me, dude. Yeah. It is a real dick softener. It is. 
get yourself a less identifiable vocal to do that. Just because you're doing the soundtrack doesn't mean you have to fucking sing the whole thing. No, it doesn't. And just remind me, oh, okay, I'm in the post-millennium and the singer of Radiohead is on the soundtrack. <laughs> really fucking is lame to me. I love a long, slow burn movie. Yeah. I do. Man, this is long. Man, this was so long. I don't even know that this is a slow burn either. Yeah. Like, because, I mean, the Olga's death happens pretty early in the movie, and that's brutal. Like, like stuff happens quick, Yeah. but it's just like there's a lot of sort of downtime in the middle. Yeah. It's not, it's not the, like... The horror beats are yeah. not necessarily right. well well timed here like a slow burn maintains the tension whereas this it sort of loses the tension you can brings forget it back, about it. loses the tension yeah. brings it back yeah there's so much of that stuff about dancing here that uh you know uh, again like we were talking about with all the duality stuff in here uh i actually think you mentioned it before we started recording there there's things in there about how Helena Marcos is like pulling Susie towards the ground. Yes, yeah, and 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 uh, Madame Blanc is trying to get her in the air. She's trying to get, get her, her jump jumping. Yeah, like, might as well jump. Yeah, and that stuff is cool. Mm-hmm. But man, it makes the movie a lot longer. It does. And I I think I could have got the idea without them showing me that and telling me that. I don't know that it made it better. To have all those dance rehearsal scenes. There's a lot. There's a whole lot. And they just, I don't know, they didn't play to me as that long. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a ton of stuff happens in this movie. Okay. But it is long. I mean, it is officially two and a half hours. Yeah. I mean, that's long. That's a fact. Yeah, there's no change in that. That is long. I do think that you could have... Again, eliminated the historical stuff. I think you could have eliminated the doctor, wife storyline and still had a very cool movie that was a very interesting take on the original. Because I, mean, I know you're saying it's like, well, that would just leave it as the original. But it's yeah. like having all these elements flipped, you know, where she shows up, she's the witch. Uh-huh. You learn more about her history, her backstory and stuff like that. Like, I still think that would have been a perfectly competent, cool movie. And an interesting twist on on the original mm-hmm. storyline, and also just a, a a flip of your expectations of what you were expecting whenever you watch a Suspiria remake. You know, I think it would have been fine. I think it could have stood on those legs. I really, really do. Hmm. I just don't know that all that extra storyline really did much for me. And I've I've really like I want to love it so much. And I've done so much research about, you know, what all those extra storylines and stuff could really mean. And there are so many interpretations of it. Nobody can really agree on anything. And everybody's like, I guess it could mean this. Which just seems like it's not that strong to me. Or that it's that necessary to be a part of the story. You know? I I think that this movie just could have stood on the legs of it being about fucking feminine power and that would have been fine I think if that had happened everyone would have questioned why it exists yeah like if it didn't add anything new if it was just a if it was just a girl power version of the original Suspiria yeah everybody would be like why did we need this yeah 
And at that point, maybe that's when you should have put the brakes on it and just like maybe even like, perhaps I should not remake Suspiria. <laughs> maybe. I like. I, I'm not going to say, though, that I don't like it. I like mm-hmm. the movie. I do. I like the movie. Uh, I think that some of the visuals and stuff are, are fucking gorgeous. You know, it has this mm-hmm. wonderful bleak drab thing about it. That's true. Yeah. That is very cool. And again, a lot of very 70s stuff in there with a lot of those snap zooms and dual focus lenses. And everybody smoking constantly. Everybody smoking all the fucking uh-huh. time. There's a lot that I do like about this movie. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that it could have been done cleaner and more succinctly. I will watch it again. I won't say that I adore it. I think I'm at like a six. Okay. Six. Going, although I'll, I'll tell you this. Sitting down to record this episode, I was thinking five. Okay. But after talking with you and realizing like, wow, there's really a lot to talk about about yeah. this. Especially a lot of the duality stuff. Yeah. Pretty fucking interesting. It is. It did elevate my opinion of this movie. Well, good. From middle of the road to a little bit above the middle of the road. <laughs> Six. <laughs> to like in a lane. Yeah. Like middle of the road, that that's supposed to be like not good, not bad, but yeah. if you're in the middle of a road, that's bad. Yeah. You're you get, probably going to get hit by a car. You could get hit in both lanes. Yep. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> well, Steve, I'm hoping that the movie that we cover next week will be a in one lane movie. I've never seen it. I thought that it looked bad from the previews, which is why I've never seen it. No, the previews were bad, but that that that's true of every movie, I would say. I've yeah. never seen a good preview. Um, we're doing Jennifer's Body. Karen Kusama directs. Uh, Diablo Cody Ooh. wrote it. Man, I'll tell you what. I like this movie a lot. Um, it is not what the the preview showed okay the preview showed like basically a sexy chick yeah killer. like a like yeah. a sexy chick killer movie yeah. and that's i mean that that that's not it i mean okay. that's not it at all really i mean that is that is happening but that that's not the type of movie it is but the Hopefully. twist is it's a sexy chick with toe thumbs <laughs> We'll find out next week. (laughs) In the meantime, you guys be sure to rate and review on iTunes. It takes us so many hours to make a show, but it only takes you a couple of seconds to rate, make a review and rate and review and all that other good stuff on the iTunes. So please do that. It helps us out a whole shitload. Um, You can follow us on the Twitters and the Instagrams. At Dead Lovely Pod. Oh, Dead Lovely Pod. Yeah, it's us. Uh, we have a Facebook group, Dead and Lovely something, something, Ooh, blah, blah, blah. Look it up. Uh, you can email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. Ooh. And guess what? Bobby. I love you. Bobby. Bobby. Bobby's World. Yeah, that's what we were going for, right? The I'm Bobby's sure. World model. That's what I was going for anyway. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to 100... Plus a few more bonus episodes. Bonus of Dead and Lorgly. <laughs> uh, this has been a great ride. Uh, thank you guys so much, again so much for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another brand new episode. We will see you guys then. Happy Ein Hundredth. <laughs>
Yeah. Jägermeister. Yeah, shots. I don't know. Shots, shots, yeah. shots. Bye. Bye.